Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> So if you didn't catch it, <laughs> that's probably copy. Well, it's so old and no one knows Bewitched, apparently. I'm sorry. Just me. As soon as you played it, I was like, yeah, I know this. You can't say a song title to me oh. or I don't know it. We know that you can't do that to me either. So yeah. this is fair. We're talking. <laughs> We're the By same. the way, we're talking about hereditary. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, not imagine. It happened. We just started with the peppiest song uh-huh. in history, and then so we're like, we're talking about hereditary. <laughs> the saddest movie I've seen. The in a saddest, <laughs> darkest movie. Well, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that nice moment because that's where it ends. That's the last nice thing you get here. That's the last nice thing. <laughs> I don't even have that many facts. I was too haunted. Well, that's fair. Oh, okay. Okay. Would you like some facts? I would love some about facts. Hereditary? Hereditary? Here we go. <laughs> okay. So, Hereditary was directed by Ari Aster. Mm. Uh, he also, the first thing he made was a short film called Tale of Two Tims, which I have not seen it. I don't know much about it, but apparently it was so, like, dark and weird um, it won some awards at some film festivals, mm-hmm. but then somehow it got onto YouTube and it went viral Ooh. and it got like, it was described as having comments that were like complimenting it and comments that were just like, we hate this. This is disgusting. And then it said, so AKA it was a hit. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh. so that was the first thing that I think he did. Maybe not the very first thing, but that was the thing that really put him on the map That's- of like, fascinating because he had three things that he did in his program like his degree program and the thing that went viral was the strange thing about the johnsons oh my gosh i'm so sorry that is the thing that went viral tale of two tims was i I don't know about the tims no i am so sorry you were right okay that is the one that went viral the tale of two tims was the one that i think he did maybe after like it was either right after or right before that. Okay. So I only put one of them. Yeah, and yeah. I knew one was viral. And it it's was the Johnsons. Not the one I said. It was the Johnsons. Yeah. That's the one that got all the comments. And he was like, yeah. it's a hit. Um, I want to see it. I'm intrigued. Even though it sounds terrifying. It <laughs> not terrifying in like a spooky way. But terrifying in a, ooh, yikes. Yeah, <laughs> like I, this movie. I will always choose something that is like scary in the like supernatural paranormal yeah. like make you stay up at night over something that is emotionally wrecking which is so funny because I'm the opposite you and I <laughs> I watch this movie and I'm like I love it I watch this movie and I'm like never again but actually I love the phrase it's get ready I have so much I, to say about the colors yeah. I have oh. a lot of theories I'm so excited this is because... another werewolf in London oh, I noticed no. yeah no oh no in the best way yeah like oh yeah oh yeah um, oh no as in oh yeah <laughs> We only got through one thing. So it was directed by Ari Aster. Uh, he made a short film, Tale of Two Tims, and also... The Strange Thing it? About the Johnsons. Strange Thing About the Johnsons. So if you want to look that up, apparently it's quite good. Uh, and obviously, Midsommar. Is it Midsommar? It's not Midsummer. Um, okay. It, when it came out, everybody was kind of saying, it's like, Midsummer, Midsummer. And then now that it's been out for a while, I feel like I only hear people say Midsommar. Yeah, so 
I when I first saw it in theaters, I was mm-hmm. like, ah, Midsummer, 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 yeah. Because I was in Midsummer Night's Dream, and so like it's just like the thing in my head, right? But when I was watching, uh, Hey Caitlin Riley, yeah. On- <laughs> Uh, Instagram, one of her reels was about the hey, Don't Worry Darling press tour. And she's like, I loved you in Midsommar. And so that's it's when Florence be. Pugh hangs up. And so I was like, maybe it's not Midsommar. Right? Maybe she hates it. I don't know. So I don't if know you know, let me know. I I don't know for sure. Yeah. But it's either you know, Midsommar or Midsommar. Yeah. I've heard Midsommar the most. I've heard it probably 50-50. Really? And frankly, I don't care. I don't care either. <laughs> I'm like... I saw it. I liked it. Like, <laughs> we'll talk about it. When we talk about it on the podcast, we'll get yes. the right pronunciation. Yes. But until then, it's whatever you it's want it to be. It's a Bonnie Vare Bon Iver thing. I it don't really care. is. You're um, fine without me saying it right. Ari Aster also wrote this. So yes. I was going through my notes and I was like, wow, I forgot to put, I forgot to put who wrote this. What's wrong with me? And then I realized it's because next to his name, it just said also written by. Like yeah. super small. And I was like, oh, he well. Has a- thing he won't direct something that he hasn't written and he doesn't want someone else to direct the things he's written like but like here's the thing is usually i would be like that's pretentious but it's hard because i also used to write things um for like a comedy group and i would always be like if i am not doing every bit of this i hate it i hate it and i know that it's it's like a control thing so i'm like i get it ari aster but also it's that's hard okay if you're good at it which i assume you were obviously yeah but Ari, like he comes into it with i have a uh, three weeks of shot plans yeah like when he writes it he knows exactly what he wants right and i mean can can be good can be terrible if Could someone comes worst. in and is like i really have a vision for this and then he's like no mm-hmm. so it was just hard. I think the problem with me is that I had a technical background as well. So oh, I kept yeah. being like, I want these lights, this sound, this, this. And they'd be like, yeah, no, we can do that. And they wouldn't do it. And I'd be like. <laughs> I find that <laughs> rude of them. It was not my favorite. Because if you have that vision, fucking bring it. It's such a good vision. Remind me to tell you about it someday. Of if you course. ever join our Patreon, maybe I'll tell you about the short comedy skits Maybe we I should do just like 10 minute rants, each of us. And oh we'll just God. go fucking off. They, they do that on other podcasts where they have a before and after thing where they're like, now we're yeah. just going to rant. Oh, yeah. Like they do deep dives and drunk dives yeah. and stuff. I, Maybe we'll do that. I've told you before that I made a lot of money on Fiverr in undergrad. And one of my things was rants. People yeah. would give me a topic and I would rant for 30 seconds if you and guys give me $5. want to pay to just hear me rant about things. I'll rant about anything. I got a weird, weird job now. So I got <sighs> many things to not complain, but just talk about. Let's continue. Mm-hmm. Cinematography was, oh my God, I looked this up and mm-hmm. I already forgot. I think it's Powell. Powell? Oh, that name was hard. I never mm-hmm. looked up how to say it. Pogorzelski? Sure. Pogorzelski? Uh, Powell Pogorzelski. Okay. I think that is correct. I looked it up so many times, but I'm not positive. Um, so this was cinematography. Also did Tragedy Girls, uh, Midsommar, mm-hmm. uh, Nobody. Moni, Moni, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, Ooh. and then something called Fresh. Wait, is it Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, or Mona Lisa? No, and Mona blood- Lisa and the Blood Moon. Oh, okay, okay. And then Fresh. Hmm. So, seems like they team up with Ari Aster. Okay. Neato. Uh, and then this one should sound familiar, because we literally just talked about this. I heard the name, and I went, okay. <laughs> so the music was Colin Stetson. Oh. So this was the person that we talked about with Color Out of Space. So they did the music for Color Out that of Space, but they also do music with, so funny you said this, Bon Iver, and like Arcade Fire. Oh They're a saxophonist. God, yeah. So 
when I heard the music, I was like, this is interesting. It sounds so familiar. It and then familiar. I saw that they did Color Out of Space and I went, okay, it all this checks out. This makes sense. The Drone of Dread and like the building and... The like sounds that aren't music necessarily, mm-hmm. but like they form some sort of soundtrack, you know? So yeah, I was like, this checks out. Yeah, this <laughs> It was sense. good though. I liked it a lot. It fit with this movie. So very good music. Um, and then, okay, so the budget. Do you know the budget at all? Or no. do you know how much it made? I know. I can't wait. I will be so wrong. Okay, so the budget was only $10 million, Huh. Which is, I mean, for A24, because they're like relatively small. Yeah. And I think this was his first full length film. It was his first feature, yes. I don't think that that's wild. $10 million is no. a pretty good number to be like, here's your first yeah. movie. Like, an A24 is like big and still somehow small, it's you know? It's bigger than Blumhouse, but yeah, it's like still small. Yeah, like it's bigger small, than yeah. Blumhouse, but it also like, it makes movies so quick that they I'm do, like, yeah. they have to have a pretty tight budget, I think. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the budget was $10 million. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much it made? $50 million? Oh, God. $80.2 million worldwide. I was like, really, which way am I wrong? Fun I had no fact, fucking clue. This is A24's highest grossing film oh, worldwide. Fuck. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, because yeah. A24 has done some big shit since this then. This could have changed because of like new things that have come out, but last I checked, yeah. this is their, their highest- shit. Uh, grossing film yeah that makes sense which though. does not surprise me at all because again i worked at a movie theater as a projectionist when this came out i went and saw it and it would sell out just like yeah. every night it would be like hereditary hereditary like sold out sold out and it, it was not surprising because i think people would see it talk about how scary it was and then everyone would follow yeah so I'm not surprised. I think one of the... I didn't include this in my tropes, but it's a potential trope where it's trailers always lie. And yeah. the trailer builds it much more of like the horror. And yes. then you get there and you're like, oh, this is a family tragedy. Huh. Oh, I have some sort of notes about that. Yeah. A little tiny bit. I have a lot of notes Do you? That. Okay, oh, good. Oh, yeah. Nerd um, corner. Get ready. Oh, good. I thought so. Um, but yeah, so it did really well, which is not surprising. No. It was... Whoo, I remember I first saw it opening weekend because uh-huh. I got free tickets yeah so i went and saw it with my cousin who loves horror films mm-hmm. and we would always go together and i remember i watched it on a night where i literally did not sleep at all i was up all night Unwell. i had a bunch of coffee and no. then i'm not kidding i watched this movie and i had a full-on panic attack no. which is why very green room of fun you. fact this is october we're doing our scariest films so like what movie scared us the most yeah this is mine yeah. fun surprise one of i don't two. know if you knew this is my yeah one of two so this is my scariest film. Um, I, it, it freaked me out. And I wondered if it was because of when I saw it. If uh, it was just like, I didn't sleep. I was so scared. Yeah. But I watched it this time and I went, no, this still fucks me up. It fucks you up. So <laughs> no, they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, I stand by it. Yeah. So this is mine. Fun. fun That's exactly what I feel about Don Knotts, you know. Don't even talk about it yet. Do not ruin the surprise. <laughs> I told... I okay I got a new job everybody okay Whee! and obviously I got a new job so the first thing I did was plug my own podcast <laughs> but they were talking about horror movies what was I supposed to what do what were you supposed to do so we we're talking about horror films mm-hmm. and I said I'm like oh well this this month we're doing like the movies that scared us the most and I said mine and they went oh classics and they said do you want to know my co-hosts and I said the first one and they went okay yeah, the first one and then I went it's scary and then the second one and he went with Don Nuts <laughs> I was like, you know of it? And he went, yeah. It's a classic, yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard. So get ready. Join our Patreon, by the way, if you want a behind the scenes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. We've our talked patrons about this a little bit. are choosing this month's... Yes. ...kind of in a way that have, has never been done before. I'm really excited. Yeah. Our patrons got to, like, put what movie scared them the most. Yeah. And, like, they're gonna obviously choose the whichever one scares them the yeah. most, and then we're just gonna choose randomly. Yeah. Because usually we give them a list of four, yeah. and then they vote on it, and then obviously democracy rules... <laughs> But, but this time it's just like, hey, what's it's up you? to it's up to random vote and what scared you. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited. They chose some weird ones that I was like, oh yeah, no, they did. <laughs> I'm pumped. Um, okay, so that was the budget. It obviously made a ton of money. It's very successful. Mm-hmm. Did I say that successful? There we successful. go. Successful. Successful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only have like one or two little fun facts. My one fun fact that came up when you talked about the family tragedy thing is like, that's the only reason that uh, Tony Collette even did it. Mm-hmm. I know you're probably going to talk about this. I'm not going to talk but, about Tony Collette specifically. Okay. But specifically, she was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a big like horror film person. I'm not so sure. And then she read the script and she was like, Ari Aster understands what a family is and like what it is to yeah. be human. And she was like, I, I want to do it. Yeah. Which, I don't know if you know this. I haven't bragged about this much, but she's my favorite actress. I love her desperately. She, is, she can do no wrong. <gasps> Every time I see her in something, I lose my mind. And this is no exception. I This isn't even parasocial. I think she's an angel. I, I yeah, like, we just have the glory of seeing, you know? I have another fun fact that I'll get into <gasps> if you want. It's some drama. Oh, do you want God. some drama? Of course I do. I could be me. wrong about this. So, like, this is off the record. Oh. This is a new section I want to call Off the Record with Nikki Solomon. <laughs> I said my full last name well. <laughs> they know me now. Um, I, I say it every episode. <laughs> Good. So, you know me. Um, so, here, first installment of Off the Record is I don't think that Tony Collette actually got along with Alex, the guy who played her son. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because so apparently he is a method actor. Yes. Which not popular not a popular thing it's weird it's popular you, like among... fed into that yeah yeah I, but that's the your thing. thing i'll say my thing it's popular among people who respect it but then when people it don't like it it's intensely unpopular among the actors who are like come on yeah like i am very much on the side of i don't think that it's necessary i think that if you are if you studied this and like you were very talented at acting like you should be able to get into character and be able to do these things but if you have to apparently he would walk around and be like nobody call me by my real name my name is only this and like relax and apparently in an interview they asked like tony like oh what did you think about your co-star like he was very talented which i'll give you this he was he was very good but she was like i think he'll really grow into his tone (gasps) She said the shade. It was so perfect because it was like a perfect little backhanded. Like I think he'll really grow. I love that. (laughs) I don't know if this is true. This was all something that I looked up a long time ago when I was obsessed with Tony Collette. I was like, "What do you think?" And also, this guy used to be in the Naked Brothers band. So take that for what you will. I thought he looked familiar. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So, like, my perspective on method acting is you should never subject someone to your method thank you where it's like if you can harmlessly method act fucking do it do your thing but that is what you have to do if anyone else is negatively impacted by that get the fuck out or everyone has to be on board to me that's what i'm saying like there are so many actors who take it to an extreme that i'm like it just doesn't have to be that way no and if you're making your fellow co-workers uncomfortable then there's a mismatch here 
And like, I don't know if this was necessarily like an uncomfortable thing or just a, I've been doing this for a long time. You're new to this and you think that this is how it has to be kind of thing. It, it wasn't clear, but that's off the record. That's off the record with Nikki. Do you want on the record with Kate? Yeah. Uh, Ari Aster would actually give them like specific things. So like before filming, he had, um, the guy, was it Alex Wolf? Yes. Okay, and then Millie? Millie Shapiro? Yeah, she's a Tony winning. She's amazing. She's a singer, right? She was in the Broadway musical Matilda. I thought it was Matilda, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, she's Wait, very hold talented. On. Matilda with the song Revolting Children? Yes. That's my fucking favorite song. She's very, very good. Ugh. She's so talented. I've only heard good things about her. So yeah. uh, Alex and Millie, he would say like, okay, I, Alex, I want you to take Millie to this restaurant in Utah. Because they filmed in Utah. Right. And neither of them are from there. Right. And the whole state of Utah. And so, like, he would have to go find a place, no instructions, not really know where he was going. And so it would build that, like, type of resentment of, like, I am dragging this child along. And he's, according to an interview with Alex, Millie was, like, into being that method where right. she was, like, I'm not talking because Charlie wouldn't talk at this moment. Right. Charlie would follow Peter. Like, that type of thing. So I right. haven't read any interviews from Millie's perspective, but from, like, uh, Alex's perspective, he was, like, Ari very much, like, gave me these, like, tasks to do in advance yeah. to get into the character of having a younger sister. And I, I wonder if, like, that's where the method acting came from, if it was fed into by the director. I don't know. Alex also is a director. Off the record. Off the record. With Nikki. I don't know. Off the record with Nikki Solomon. On the record with Kate Swindler. I love that it's on the record with you because you do your research. It's off the record with me because I'm like, I heard this. I like yours better. <laughs> I just like I'll be gossip. honest. Yours is more fun. If we ever do the movie. <laughs> What's the name? Darling? What is it? Don't, don't worry, worry darling. Oh, oh, okay. If we ever do Don't Worry Darling, it's going to be the longest Don't off the record with Nikki segment well, I'll ever. Also be off the record with you because I was invested. You were invested, and I was like, "Kate, I'm so glad you're here because I've been invested for like mm-hmm. months." And I was like, I, "It's my time." I was desperately unwell, and like I, I was like, "I need to be invested in something." It was "Don't worry, darling," and like this is to say, it's fine to be invested. It's fine. That was just what brought me into it. This is not to say that you have to be unwell to be invested in it because I think it's valid. Listen. If this makes you think less of us for being so Fine. into the drama, get out. This ain't for you. No. I, I love drama. It's like, we're not mad at you, but we're this just isn't you. the place for you. <laughs> this ain't for you. All right. All right. All right. I have a real fun fact, though, oh, about okay. how it was made. All of them were fun. My other ones were just off the record. Well. This is on the record. We're back on the record. <clears throat> so don't worry. So. Darling. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was swallowing okay. it. I was like. Darling. <laughs> okay. So all the interiors of the Graham house mm-hmm. uh, and the tree house were built on a soundstage. Yes. So most everything else was filmed like on location, like the cemetery, the high school, anything that was like in the gym yeah. or anything like that are on location. But anything within the house and the tree house are on a soundstage. So any walls could just be removed. And that's what made it look like a dollhouse. And I love that so much. Do you want to hear something wild? Yes. Okay. So the miniatures. Yeah. They had someone that was like a miniature expert doing Amazing. it. Well, Ari was very clear, like, this was a miscommunication on my part. I did not clearly communicate the requirements or the expectations. When the dollhouse of the house arrived, the front wall wasn't removed. 
then their entire like first real sequence of the film is yeah, zooming is that in moment and they were like so we had to like saw it off when we were really afraid we would ruin it and like well it worked out it's terrifying yeah uh i mean it obviously worked out yeah. one of my first notes is about that shot i mean gorgeous i kind of assumed that that was how it worked because like that Opening shot and closing shot are almost identical, but yes. in different locations. I have a note about that. Yeah. Intro. I'll just do it. Say it now. Bookends trope. Yeah, and it's it's so good. I'm a sucker for like yeah. really pretty shots that are just yeah. artistically done. So I was like, oh, you got me. I went all in on angles this time. No, which is so funny because as usual, all in on colors. All my notes are about colors. I'm and get so ready. Glad. You're gonna be like, why? But I no. did it. I went hard. I'm um, happy because I was like, these are jewel tones. That was in the first five minutes. And then after that, I saw no colors ever again. Okay. It was so, the minute it popped up, I was like, this is, it was like hitting me in the face. I'm we'll excited. get to it. Um, but, but I loved it. I loved the dollhouse look. And I assumed that that's how they did it. Cause I was like, there's no other way to make this treehouse look large than to literally have space to back up. Like there had to be something. So yeah. I was really excited when I found out that it was just, they could yeah. take the walls out. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. They tried to find locations, but then they were like, after like a month of looking, we were like, no, it, we have to build it. Yeah. Because like, I mean, at that point, if you're looking to make something that looks like a miniature, you have to build it. Right. I mean, they yeah. built the miniature. you got to build this. It just seems it makes sense. And like the funny thing is that set dressings are usually like a later thing, but because they were having all the miniatures made of right. the exact house, they had to determine the set dressings really early on. And I love that. Yeah. I This is one of those movies where surprisingly the set dressings, even though they were kind of sparse, didn't bother yes, me because it, it felt lived in, but only by these characters. Any other character, I would have been like, why do you live in this weird, stale mm -hmm. house? But as I got to know every single character, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I was like, every single room is influenced by the personality yeah. of, like, a family member. And it just made sense. Yeah. And I was like, this is good. And, oh, I just loved it. <laughs> so this is why it scared me. I can't wait to talk about it. Ah! But I'm so excited to... Here we are talking about Nerd Corner. But do you know what you have to do first? No. Okay, I can't. Try, bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Try, bitch. <laughs> I'm a wench. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, a family's daughter dies in a horrific way. But don't worry, because she's the son now. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You're not wrong. Don't worry. She's not done with you or your nuts. <laughs> I didn't want to give away too much. Well, we're going to give it away. I know. Okay. I just want to point out that technically I thought it was hilarious. My girlfriend was like, oh, I listened to all these podcasts. I listened to your episodes and it's so cute. You never give away the ending. And um, I went, we do all the what time. are you talking about? I was like, we literally give away the ending constantly. And she went, no, you don't. I was um, like, excuse me. But we do, though. We do. We we usually say spoilers, by the way. This and was then me calling her things. out and being like, how many episodes have you actually listened to? And she uh -huh. was like, the early ones. I was like, yeah, <gasps> that's what I thought. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. She's catching up. Good. It's fine. You have I'm... all weekend to just make her listen. <laughs> just download on the way, way I'll be like, like, by the way. Have you heard? Uh... <laughs> uh -huh. I don't think I can listen to my own voice. Are you voice. ready for the Meg? <laughs> Meg. <laughs> what, a, what a choice. Okay. All right, but... That was not my worst one. My best no. one was last episode, yes, I think. That I was I mean, there's incredible. no... Let's all just put it down right now. The Mist is the best time I've ever summed it up is. anything. I think it is, yes. Um, the worst was probably Eyes Without a Face. 
did a number on his daughter's yes. face. We know. Ooh, well, um, yeah. and that's life. So, and that's life. Give me a real one, okay? Because I'm curious how they could sum this up. Because it is a wild ride. Rotten Tomatoes leaves more to the imagination. They always do. Yeah, unless they don't. Unless they don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless they don't. But then they do. But if they don't, they don't. Uh, scams. <laughs> When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited. I love that, actually. It was great. Damn, they really put it gives shame. nothing away. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, because neither do the trailers. No, the trailers are very misleading. My... And I appreciate Sorry, that. I hear my mouth. My cousin and I saw this movie in theaters. Obviously, we saw it opening weekend because we didn't want anything to be ruined. And I had free tickets. So I was like, well, let's go. We literally saw this at 9 a.m., uh, which is a wild time to see something sleep yes. deprived and anxious. Um, sure is. So, like, nothing got spoiled for me, obviously, because, like, it was opening weekend. Um, uh, Millie Shapiro, the girl who plays Charlie, is in it for not long. Not enough. Basically, spoilers, she dies. So spoilers! Oh my God, we do that. We here? do that. According to Corey we don't. So we were we were watching it. She turns to me and she goes, "She's dead." <laughs> she was furious. She was like, "In the trailers, I thought she was gonna be the villain." And I was like, "Jokes on us." Not in this body. Not in this body. She still is. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, she's still because the main character. But oh my God, it was incredible. So. I'm excited to see what you're going to talk about because I have a feeling it's about family. Because I did say earlier it's about family. (laughs) This movie, I mean, it's hard not to. This movie is so intense about family and what it is to be grieving and like how grief can like change who you are as a person. Yeah. And And so I was like, is that what you're talking about? Okay. So I have been saving grief and loss for the Babadook. Really? Okay. Yes. That actually makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did show you in advance my notebooks. Yeah. Which I brought down. Right. You can see them now. Tell the audience. You don't have There's to. a beautiful drawing. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really good. I'm sure the notes are good, but there is a picture of someone with a dinosaur body and a human head. That's me. And that's you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's um, two four-inch binders. Yes, they're large. Full. Of, that's one year of AP English. Actually, that's Girl. not all of it. I took out a lot of the, like, handouts. I only took AP History. Of course I did. Fucking nerd. Eh. You're such a nerd. <laughs> Guilty. What? <laughs> we have to talk about that girl at the party that's dancing and no one else is. And she's just like, yeah. Stop. I love her. She's like, yeah. I have a note about that. What kind of party are you at? I'm just like, I love the party that you're at. Even I though it's not there. the party that everyone else is at. I want to be at the party where the girl's not dying. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? The no walnuts party. Oh, the no walnuts party. (laughs) We have to get into this. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck is happening?" If you haven't seen this, you must be so confused. Okay, so your thoughts on what Nerd Corner could Mm be are family. Mm -hmm. Well, you're partially right in that you're mostly right. Yeah. Um, So as per usual, I had no idea where to start on this beast. And it's, it's very, a hefty one. It's not like a 13 ghost. I don't know where to start. It's right. like a, there is so much here to unpack that I don't know where to start. And I want to save grief and like depression right. for the Babadook. And so. Which is fair. I think that one's more heavy handed in it than this one is. Yeah. And that one to me, it has like a very narrow focus mm-hmm. where this one has a lot of different avenues to explore. Yes. 
So I eventually came to a thesis statement of sorts. Okay. Uh, through reading interviews with Aster. Okay. I read a lot of interviews. I always read a lot of interviews. I know, which I love because I don't on purpose because I was like, I want to make sure that you do it. And I'm like, tell me about it. I'm so happy to tell you what they think. (laughs) Okay. So my thesis statement Mm -hmm. is not the best thesis statement um, because it's two sentences, not one, but it's fine. (laughs) Uh, So hereditary utilizes horror genre conventions paired with elements of Greek tragic myth to deliver a family tragedy. Oh, I love that. We see this not only in the thematic elements and classic forms of conflict, but also in the framing of scenes and movement of the camera. Oh, mm. not what I was expecting at all. You always surprised I just did jazz hands. Like, she did. <laughs> in she your did. Face, and I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. She can have this one. So, like, we're pretty familiar with horror yeah. genre conventions at this point. Yes. As people who have seen one or two scary movies. A few. Like, maybe three tops. So... <laughs> And we've actually talked about Greek tragedy more than I would have thought. Uh, we did. Yeah. I'll get into that in a hot minute because I couldn't remember when we talked about it and I did like a little cert. We'll get yeah, to it. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So I'm just going to skim through certain elements mm-hmm. so we can get to the good stuff. But if we're starting with Greek tragedy. Yeah. Of the myths, I am least familiar with the trials of Heracles. Okay. And the romanization is Hercules. So like um, people use oh, it interchangeably. When you said it, I went, yeah. Heracles. I was like, who the fuck is Heracles? Heracles. Hercules? Yeah. Who the fuck is Stacy? Um, so Hercules is the Romanization. Heracles is the Greek. Okay. But people use them interchangeably right. because Hercules is more known. Especially it, since yeah, Disney did the thing. I was going to say, you know, Disney yeah. had their claws in there. Yeah, they did. I was never especially interested in him. And maybe that was because I was swayed by Edith Hamilton. And <laughs> I have the book right there. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and I uh, pulled it out last night mm-hmm. when I was like frantically going through my AP English notes Trying to find like elements of Greek mythology or Greek I just, tragedy. I just real quick want to put a little, little, little thing so everyone knows what the difference is between our notes. <laughs> is that I sat on my couch today furiously writing one page of poorly written notes and then Kate pulled out two binders from AP English and a book and was like, I had to find this book. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, same. <laughs> I was. On a Zoom with a colleague today, and I had to blur my background because I had three different open boxes trying to find my AP English I, notebooks. No, I love it. I think the difference between you and I researching this podcast is hilarious. Whenever I describe it to people, I go, Kate does an immense amount of research. She's incredible. She's so smart and well-spoken. I love lights. And that's about <laughs> as far as I get because I'm like, I don't research. I improv only. <laughs> When I explain it, it I'm like, for us. Nikki intuitively understands cinema, and I research for hours to try to put something together. <laughs> I love that we're both impressed with each other. It's very yeah, sweet. it's great. It's good. <laughs> good balance here. Good balance. <laughs> but yes, Kate's got a lot of beautiful notes out. Uh, so I'm going to quote Edith Hamilton, yes. because I, f- I love the way that she talks about Hercules. Yes. Intelligence did not figure largely into anything he did, and was often conspicuously absent. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Uh, once when he was too hot, he pointed an arrow at the sun and threatened to shoot him. Another time, when the boat was tossed about the waves, he told the water that he would punish them if they did not grow calm. His intellect was not strong. His emotions were. I've never felt so seen. <laughs> I, do you know how many times I've been like, I'm going to punch the sun? <laughs> well, then you'll be heartened by what Ethan Hamilton does say about Hercules next, which is... He's not a Greek hero because he's a king. He's a Greek hero because he cared deeply about justice. And, like, if someone was, like, 
you you kind of fucked up. He's like, don't even worry. I'm punishing myself. And <laughs> what is people be like, no, oh we can forgive you. He's like, you can't forgive me until I do 12 trials. What a sweet idiot. Yes. Sweet idiot. Oh There's a God. lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> this is, I only pulled Hercules in yeah. because they specifically mention him in the English room, uh, the English class yes. yeah. scenes. I forgot. So to me, the most relevant part was the invocation of the Hercules, Heracles. And it's not actually his story, but mm-hmm. it's about the most important conflict that's woven through basically every Greek myth. Yeah. One of the seven conflicts. Person versus fate. Mm-hmm. So, we've talked about different types of conflict before, and even about person versus fate. Strangely enough, I talked about Oedipus and person versus fate slash destiny in our episode on 13 Ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I had to... I love this. I had to do a search in the drive to see the last time I used the word fate. 13 Ghosts. I... I'm not joking when I say that one of the things that scares me but also intrigues me the most is fate. Oh, and free will? Free will, yes. Yeah. Because it's like, do we ever make a choice? Do we ever actually make a choice? Or was this ever, or was this always something predetermined? Predetermination was always something that I, I studied and was like, ah! I remember it was like my first class in so college. Premodal dispensationalism just wrecked you. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a book that was in my trunk for years of predetermination and free will, specifically about like, what is free will? Do you have it? Or do you think you have it? And to be honest, you you don't. And it fucked me up forever. Yeah. And I still think about it. That's very much in the camp of are we in a simulation? Those are the two that I'm just like, I know that this could ruin me. And so I will pack them away delicately Sometimes and never consider them. I still, to this day, will make spur of the moment decisions just to be like, did I fuck you up? Did um, I mess you up? Mm-hmm. Like, I have two routes home and sometimes I'll be like, I'm taking this route and I'll just turn real quick and do it and be like, did I get you? Was fate ready for that? Right. And then I'm like, did I fuck something up? And it's so weird. And sometimes it like freaks me out because I'm like, what if I had gone that way and died? Like. It's a very turn left Doctor Who moment. It is. It's Mm -hmm. very. And Mm -hmm. I do it all the time because I'll just be like, oh, what if? Because I'm relatively spontaneous in some ways. So I'm always like, what if I'm messing stuff up? So you're haunting me is what I'm saying. Well, I can't wait to ruin your life even oh, more, no. you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into okay, that, okay, but I will okay. touch upon it. I'm intrigued. Delicately. Okay, so as a quick refresher, yeah. person versus fate is one of the seven types of conflict. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people will divide them out into like eight, but to me, seven's a good number. Right. It's prime. I like prime numbers. I like it. So you have to have conflict to have a plot. Mm-hmm. I Whenever someone says you have to have this to have this, I'm like, well, you don't know me. And then I sit for hours trying to figure out how to do a thing without the thing that they said you need. And it's how to have a plot without conflict. And by the way, you can't have one. Conflict <laughs> is apparently what drives plot. You look so like... <laughs> I loved it. Because I'm a brat. Is <laughs> like the moral of the story. Is that people tell me I can't do a thing. I was like, I'll that find out how to do thing. Yes, that is something, yes. You gotta know about Kate. If yeah. you tell her not to do something, I'm like, it's getting do it. done. <laughs> it's like, I will do the thing. Oh boy. My dad told me he didn't think I'd finish swim team the one year. I did. I do things out of pure spite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's like, I'm driven by kindness and spite. That's it. <laughs> Those are the two facets it. of my personality. <laughs> so you have to have conflict out yeah. plot in person versus fate we have someone struggling against something predestined yeah. to happen it doesn't have to be supernatural but it often is mm-hmm. so it could be a prophecy given by an oracle if you're looking at greek or roman myth or it could be something as simple as an unstoppable disease like cancer and the yeah. fault in our stars 
So we definitely have fate of the supernatural variety in this film. Yeah. But I want to make sure it's clear that it doesn't have to be that. Um, it doesn't have to be someone reading like, and yay, young Peter will be sacrificed by your mother and grandmother and a collection of naked folks and him saying pass. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. (laughs) 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 No, thank you. Uh, so we get a lot of direct references to this type of tragedy and conflict in the English class that Peter isn't paying attention to. Yes. He's busy looking at butts and I get it. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not judging. (laughs) I love it. Glass house is throwing stones, not me. So they're talking about the trials of Heracles and whether it's more tragic if they have the free will or if they don't. And if we could influence destiny or if no matter what, if it's unchangeable. I hate it. And we also have the note from the grandmother. Quote, my darling, dear, beautiful Annie, forgive me all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end they were worth it. Our sacrifice will peril next to the rewards. That mommy fucked me up. Up because I was like, that is everything. That is this movie. That is everything that she uh-huh. has been through. And we have gone through a wild amount of things to get where we are. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how much of that did she choose? None. 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 She didn't get to choose any of it. It and was it, before she was fucking born. It, it fucked me up. I remember when I first saw this and I remember being like, dang, this is scary. Then I remember seeing it and being like, this is horrendous. There's nothing scarier than thinking that you have a choice and then realizing way later that nothing you you did mattered. Oh my God. Uh Uh-huh. So my next note is... this to me, Kate? I know. I just... This is that grudge episode all over again. Oh, God. Oh, Apocalypse How. Yeah. Haunted me. The things that I didn't know would ruin you. (laughs) I know. Well, Uh, you know, I'm... I'm different. I'm special. (laughs) What's the I'm a, a lot manic of weird things dream girl. haunt me. What can I say? I'm a manic pixie haunted girl. You know? Manic pixie sad girl. <laughs> I'm haunted by a lot of philosophical things. So <laughs> So my next note is literally yes. this is more than just creepy as fuck. It's also a statement of destiny. <clears throat> yeah. I so you will lose so much so that we can gain something better. We're not totally sure at this point what Annie will lose, but her made, her mother has made it very clear that she will suffer loss. And it's not even questioned whether it will happen. She's no. like, you will suffer things. It will be worth it. So this is a statement of destiny. This is where I feel like the film nods to Greek myth and says, my partner. And then subs out the gods for machinations of mortals who are willing to do anything to bring back one of the princes of hell to Utah, specifically. Because I guess they need it. <laughs> The demons got back and they were like, howdy. <laughs> Welcome to part <laughs> Better than Ohio. <laughs> I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they would want to go to Colorado, but then they're yeah. like, eh, we're close enough. I feel like if I brought a demon back and I was like, Welcome to Columbus, Ohio, they'd go, I You don't have need to go. <laughs> I feel like they'd be like, You don't need me here. And I'd be like, Oh, our work covered. is done. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. So, we're now in the part where it's like, it's, in Greek myth, it's very much like, um, the gods are controlling the strings. So, like, uh, Heracles is, like, the glory of Hera. That's what his name means. And it's because, uh, Zeus cheated on Hera with someone and then, like, whatever. I'm not gonna get into it. It's fine. (laughs) They're all just banging each other all the time. Um, but... We're saying in this case, it's not about, like, gods. It's about mortals trying to invoke gods. Yeah. And we could still say that payment is pulling strings. 
But if you trace it back, they invited him to the puppet party. So Greek tragedy has very clear elements and structure that I am not qualified to examine in depth because I I did a lot of Googling about like, yeah. okay, like I was looking for elements of Greek tragedy where it was like, you need the hero, you need the quest, you need the things. And it was like, actually, here are all these Greek words about the actual structure of like chorus to this, to episode two, to this, to chorus. Yeah. And like, all I knew was that there's a chorus and that it's very yeah, important. Yeah, I was going to say like chorus alternates. is very important. And I was like, this is out of my depth, and I will not cover this. <laughs> but from what I can tell, the references to Heracles provide foreshadowing of the central conflict, mm-hmm. but not a formal framework. Right. Because a lot of people have beautiful essays and articles mm-hmm. on the connections between Greek mythology and Greek tragedy in this. And I'm not getting into it as like a structured framework. I'm getting more into it as like, this is how it uses Greek tragedy to foreshadow the type of tragedy we're right. getting into. So, to explore the marriage of tragedy with horror <laughs> conventions, I have three pairs I want to specifically Love point it. out. The first is scene composition. Love it. So, we talked about negative space. Sorry, my mouse is like every now and then like, you don't deserve me. Oh, goodness. I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. Uh, so, the first is scene composition. We talked about negative space when we covered Halloween last year. Yeah. How the eyes drawn to certain spaces in order to create tension and dread, mm-hmm. where it's like, we have the left two-thirds of the screen free, that's probably where his face is going to come in a hot second. And yet? And yet? <laughs> uh, we've also talked about it in Color Out of Space, yes. The Mist, and more. So it can be a way to show humans how small they are compared to the unimaginable horrors beyond the door or create a sense of isolation in a large space. In this case, we get a healthy helping of existential dread when we pull the camera back and see this family moving through space. Yeah. They are so small in the house. It's a big fucking house. And they make a lot of effort to show the movement through the house. And this highlights the emotional distance between each character. I think that also helps with the dollhouse aspect. Yeah, it does. Because it doesn't matter how much you look at a dollhouse. They are still dolls within a house. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, you can't look at something and just be like, well, that's real. But at the same time, can you? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's very odd. It's very uncanny valley. It's that, like, where they zoom in and all of a sudden it's a real movie. That's pair three. Is it really? I, I talk about wait. the dollhouse in pair three. Yes, I can't wait. It, it yeah. That's yeah. wild. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, they're small in the house. This highlights the emotional distance between each character because yeah. there's so much space around them. There's so much space. And going it's on. also about emotional distance. Yeah. So, the space around each character in the room reflects how far from understanding each other they are. Yes. The father has the most sincere closeness with other members of the family, mostly Peter. But as the film goes on, that is born of grief or necessity like when he draws someone close it's because he is trying to prevent them from falling apart right oh boy it's harvey okay so um annie and peter do not understand each other and annie becomes increasingly distanced from steve so we see the negative space around the family as both a horror convention of showing smallness and isolation and also the element of family tragedy of fraying connection and emotional distance that's pair one god pair two is all about angles baby angles baby angles I'm like, angels, baby. We get at least three different shots of the foyer of their home. Mm -hmm. In the first, it's after the funeral for the grandmother, and it's fairly level. It's right angles, right around eye level. Yeah. She doesn't great, but it's within the realm of understanding. And we still see that distance, but it's not um, unreal or uneasy. It's just like, this is what you're seeing. You have to be present in this moment, and it fucking sucks, but at least this is understandable. Family grief. Later... 
we have a shot of the room again when Steve and Peter are coming home and the mother has absolutely wrecked her miniatures. Yep. She got a call from the Archer Gallery and they were like, hey, do you need more time? And she snapped a small chair that she was working on and then proceeded to smash most of the models. You see her like applying pressure, pressure, pressure. And it's like, oh, it's going to snap. And then it just snaps. So good. So when Steve and Peter come in, they smell something bad and are like, and are you okay? (laughs) Are you okay? okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Uh... And she's not. No. <laughs> but this shot is at an angle. The yes. camera has shifted to the left, so we're looking at the room from a slightly different perspective. Mm-hmm. We don't get nice, neat right angles and an uncomplicated look. We get something that's slightly more complex. And he walks right past it, the, the sun, which is great. He was very much like, I can't. Uh-huh. I can't. He doesn't even see it. Yep. So good. The next time we see the foyer, mm-hmm. the camera is positioned lower and again mm-hmm. off-center. This is when Peter has woken up from his trauma nap. Oh. Haven't we all have one? We've all done this. Yeah, we've all trauma napped. <laughs> Who among us hasn't? Uh, so he's walking through the dark house to find his parents. We've already seen Mama's spider climbing around the ceilings. So we're on edge. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so we're on edge. We yeah. see him enter the room. There's confusion and dread and something rapidly unraveling yeah instead of seeing peter at eye level we're looking up from closer to the floor and again we're at an angle so like we are seeing it off kilter this series of shots can show both slipping sanity horror and the dissolution of family dynamics and relationships tragedy and after all this is the scene where peter finds his father's corpse (sighs) yeah because you do get to kind of see from the ground what his father is like hands so that's pair two what are your thoughts here it's uh it's very interesting and it's very accurate i mean because you see that foyer so many times and um you don't they're so subtle the differences are so it starts shifting slowly yeah and then you're like wait hold on and it's like if you had been watching it it wouldn't be something you necessarily picked up on but like subconsciously you might have. Yeah. I was just listening to another podcast where they're talking about how your brain can subconsciously yeah. pick up on these cues that make you sense danger or like uneasiness kind of thing. And I feel like that this movie does such a good job at angling things just different enough mm-hmm. to be like something's not right. I don't quite know why yeah. and it's those tiny angles. Yeah. <gasps> that's like a classic like film thing is yeah. like to angle something so like i grew up watching like real old tv yeah and so my parents would show me like the old batman stuff and so like when the villains are on they literally just tilt the camera like 45 degrees or some shit it's, and so like the yeah. riddler's like jaunting along it's this and uneasiness that comes yeah. with not seeing something the way you would naturally yeah. like and so like I saw, like, a very extreme example, so I feel very sensitive to whenever the camera is shifted. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is not, like, a straight on. This is, like, from slightly above eye level. This is from below. This is, like, shifted to this side. <sighs> you have thoughts? No, it's just good. Okay. No, I'm just listening. Okay. That's pair two. Yeah. The final pair comes down to the miniatures. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. And we mentioned earlier, when the myth of Heracles is mentioned in the English class, they mm-hmm. ask if inevitability is more tragic than fighting and failing. One of the students said that it's horrible if they're just pawns of some larger and more powerful force. Yes. What could be a better representation of being pawns of a larger force than a literal replica of humans depicting scenes of confusion, grief, terror, in a model that reflects your own home? I hate that. What absolutely haunts me is the the moments of her mother watching her 
that she it's like does she even realize that like her mother is watching her because everything in her life has already been predetermined and she's not necessarily watching she's just spectating and that fucks me up she's got this moment of building this miniature of her in the bedroom and her mom just like watching from the doorway and I'm like maybe it's supposed to represent an overbearing mother when in reality it's just that she already knows her plan is coming to fruition and everything is fine yeah that fucked me up she's very aware of the presence of her mother in her life and the negative aspects of that it's not like she's like oh mom was great no no she's very aware she knows that something's not right but like she just doesn't know to what extent and that is what's yeah ah i loved it (laughs) so like having those little scenes of horror and uneasiness and like the worst moments of your life reflected in like solid miniature form that's enough horror in itself yes but there's also the merging of reality and nightmare yeah the opening scene uh so we start off with the treehouse but then it does go to like the model house and you see peter's room turning into a live action sequence beautifully and i read about like how they did that and it was really fucking cool i'm sure that you would appreciate it much more than i did i was like that sounds like a film thing i can't wait to read about it it's It's incredible i sent nikki all the articles yeah i was like yes please (laughs) i was like i need to read this okay so we get this like twisting of reality and nightmare and when the mother sleepwalks we also get that Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the reflection and replication of events into miniatures also contributes it's just such an easy way to be it's an easy way to without having to say her fate was determined all along without having to just say that because you get the letter yes but like the miniatures help you like i don't know it's almost like they're like this is a hard pill to swallow here you go (laughs) like and early on she is like um repeating things replicating things that have already happened yes and then at one point, when shit's really going south, you see a boyo of some sort headless in the bed. And you're like, oh, that hasn't happened yet. And you're like, this is presumably a male body. Mm-hmm. All of the men have kept their heads at this point. Who who are you beheading? What is about to happen? And neither of the men lose their heads. One of them's burned alive. One of them jumps out a window yeah. and then is, you know, possessed by a demon. But it goes from recreating trauma to work through it to predicting future horror. Yeah. Oh boy. So, oh. where are we at the end of all of this? <laughs> this is my summary paragraph of the essay. I didn't do like the nice five paragraph thing, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, so, Astor knew that he could finance the family drama he wanted by housing it within a horror film. He was very clear in his interviews that he's yeah. like, I always wanted to tell a family drama and a tragedy, but I knew that I could not finance it if I said that. Okay. And so, he sold it very much as like, this is a horror film with family tragedy inside where it's like, this is the sacrificial lamb from the perspective of the lamb. <laughs> yeah. So good. So in a fun way, he was packaging family tragedy within a giant wooden horse of horror and saying, look, you like weird shit. Let a load of this headless grandma in. <laughs> so Incredible. you open the gates and out pops loss and grief. Oh my God. And it's, fascinating that a genre film is a vessel for that like how you package it within horror to tell another story it's it haunts me like this is one of the few movies that i think about a lot we've talked about the movies that i think about a lot one is like annihilation i think about that one a lot i think about this one pretty often (laughs) and i was i watched it again being like did it haunt me because i was just not sleeping well and i just happened to watch it or did it haunt me because it's genuinely good 
it haunts me because it's genuinely good. Yeah. That's it seems like, oh God, that was good. Every moment was just so thought about. Like, how do you plan that well? He meticulously plans his and shots. that's great. And like, we've talked about this, a little, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. It's like, is that good? Or is it, is it too much? But in this one, I have to say it's good. To me, it's like, as long as everyone that is brought on board is aware of the directorial power that you will have and wield throughout the entire thing. And he has been very clear about that. Yeah. Like every single person he brought on. That's good. The I interviews mean, were very positive. Good. Do you have like conflicting? No, no, okay. no. That's ge- I'm just saying, I'm like, that's good. Because like I, yeah. I've never heard interviews or anything, but I've always liked his work. Good solid amount. Yeah. So it's like, I hope he's not the fucking worst to work with. No one has said that that I read. Okay. One of the things that he did, like when he was, he'll like talk through things with people and yeah. be like, this is my vision. And these are like the shot the, for like the lighting person. Yeah. He showed the lighting person a bunch of different things. And uh, like when he was trying to like show the camera folks what he wanted, right. he showed like one or two horror films, but the rest were dramas because yeah, he knew yeah. very much what he wanted. And so he'll show people like clips of things that he wants to like bring the vibe of. Interesting. And like when he brought on the, I think it was the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. He very carefully chose them for doing dramas. And they're like, I don't really do horror. And he's like, well, here's my vision. And they're like, awesome, but I'm also quite pregnant. And so then they brought on, like, one of their friends or, like, one of their partners that, yeah. like, did the thing with them. And so then it was just, like, it worked really well. So, like, mm. all of the interviews I read were very much about how he was like, I have this vision. I want people that are on board with it. And people were like, dope, I see it. That's good. I yeah. like that. It, it's – this movie works. It works it so well. Works. I hated it the first time I saw it. <laughs> Did you really? I was dreading watching it. Well, I mean, that's how I felt. I watched it and I genuinely couldn't tell if I was anxious because of the movie itself or anxious because of just being the fact that I hadn't slept. Yeah. Like, I was like, what is happening? And I think it was a mix of both. But then watching it, I was like, this is so well made. I think that it did genuinely give me anxiety that first time. But I think that because I wasn't sleep deprived and awful this time, I was able to appreciate how well it was made. Yeah. And I mean, the longer we do this podcast, the more I can appreciate how well things are made because like I've got way more knowledge than I did at the beginning coming from like everything you told me, everything else, like everything just piles up and gives me more knowledge, which is great. So I watched this with like way more understanding of so many other things that I was like, I can really understand why this was done now. <laughs> I see like camera movement now. Yeah. And like before it's wild, I just be right? like, that's a weird character thing. And now I'm like, oh, I love how it pans out to see it's this. It's wild. Like, I spend so much time looking at that. And I don't know if I've like told you this before. I used to have like a very, very hard like out as a child where it's like, I will not watch a movie where a child <laughs> gets in trouble for lying. It oh, was like, right. I, I remember <laughs> this. That, you know, cut out a lot of movies. Because to me, the stress of a child getting caught in a lie was like, this is too stressful for me. I'm 10. I cannot take this in my life. so many movies. And so it's like Sandlot was like the hardest movie for me to watch. Like I can't. We watched it because it was a family movie, but it's very hard because he's lying about taking the Babe Ruth baseball (laughs) and it's destroyed. It works out in the end. I know it. But watching it's very stressful. And so to me, lying and guilt are the worst and hereditary. yeah welcome oh, to no. the fucking hereditary and so like the Sorry. guilt i was like this movie was made to destroy me the guilt is it, it, the guilt is hard i could feel it the guilt like, is almost all-consuming uh, 
I'm excited to talk about this film because even though, yes, I had so many thoughts about the emotions and everything, my notes are on the lights. Well, guess what? We're done with society. We can talk about horror. I know. And are you ready? It's going to be so are many you ready? notes. Are you ready? <laughs> That's what brought up Bewitched. I know. It was probably Spice Girls. These, these notes, I have to warn you, are really genuinely so heavy on the colors that they chose in this movie. I literally, I, I told you, I noticed colors once. And I was I like, go stop. me. And then I never I, saw them again. Every time I saw it, I would just write the color. I would go, oh. great, great, great. Because I was like, oh. Me and Rachel rewatched like, American Werewolf in London. And we saw the red and the green. Just like you said it would be there. Well, remember the red and the green. Because. Oh, fuck. Red and green is so, it, it's so good to use. Because they're contrasting colors, yeah. obviously. So like one is going to make the other stick out. But obviously, also, they are. <sighs> They, you think of red, you think of spooky, right? You think of evil. It's just burned into your brain. Yeah. You don't necessarily know why, but, but it's like, sinister. It's there, right? Yeah. I mean, well, do you red remember when it happened? Is like poisonous, right? But green, also, I'm like, obviously, that makes you think of what, like life, mm-hmm. plants, yeah, things that are new, growth. fresh growth. It's like you can get away with using those two colors in a movie, and yeah. you can say so much with just those two colors. Yeah. But they use a third one. Which one? Get ready, baby. I'm not even ready. I'm so excited. I'm not ready. My first note was just love a spooky treehouse. I do love a spooky treehouse. I, I also think that's that my first note. It's is that they're good. usually carefree and childlike things. Yes. But then you like pan back and it's framed by a window mm-hmm. and then there's a fly and it's separated and dark. And it's like, they oh, you took a- this beautiful childhood thing and just made it grim. Yes. They do a great job of taking childhood items and making them terrifying. Mm-hmm. They've done that multiple times in this and I love it. Um, they had good ominous music too because, again, we already talked about this in Colorado Space because it's the same artist. Yeah. The music wasn't music. It was like sounds with some music behind it mm-hmm. that just made you uneasy. They used things like a clanging, constant clanging that just made you like, I wish this would stop. And then it would stop so abruptly that you were like, I miss the clanging. Yeah. Same with now the dog there's barking. silence and what are we doing with this space? Yes. They would use this dog bark, dog bark, dog bark. And it had nothing to do with the scene, but it was so prominent that you were like, what, what, what do you want? And then it would end and you'd be like, I, I wish that anything was happening. <laughs> So they do a good job of using like music or sound to just create too much. And then the minute it's gone, you almost miss it. it it's, it's just dread inducing. It's so good. Um, they have a lot of good tracking shots, but we already know that. We talked about the dollhouse thing. I mean, it makes you feel like you're going through a toy. Like yeah. it, it makes it feel less real. It's Uncanny Valley, you know? Yeah. It's that like thing of like, you're not cutting. So like, I understand the layout of this house, but it also feels so fake. And I think it's because they show the miniatures so early yeah. on and it's great. One of my favorite shots. Mm-hmm. Tell me if I'm like stepping no, no, in. No, no, no. Okay. Is when the sun is coming back after the horrific event and he's walking down the hall. He's moving like a ghost of the house. Yes. And he turns the corner, but it just keeps zooming in mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, that end mm-hmm. of the hall. Yes. And then it slowly turns, and he's already in his room. Yeah. And so it's like he's moving out of frame. You're not catching up, even the they slightest. They do it so many times where the camera is showing you one thing. The character has already moved out of your sight, and they are doing one thing, but the camera has not stopped focusing on the first thing that you're seeing. So it's like you feel like you're missing something, but... It's like an art. So yeah. like when you're drawing something, 
there's the thing called implied line where like yeah. if you draw something well enough obviously and you don't include a certain line your shape should be good enough to be like i know what that should look like so it's like that same idea where it's like there's an implied scene happening so it's mm-hmm. like i can't see him getting ready to sleep but obviously in this situation yeah. we're zooming in on his bed i know that that's what he's like, doing you know he didn't just walk off screen and then stand right. there and wait for the camera to catch so it up. makes you feel close to the family but also it makes you feel like they're keeping you at a distance for like a weird reason yeah like it's just so upsetting and I, I love it. It like makes so much dread happen in your body where you're just like, I wish I knew what he was doing. But then again, I do know. But do I? You know, like it makes you mm-hmm, question mm-hmm. everything and it seems so unnecessary until you get to the end and you're like, I loved it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, Here's where we get into the lightings. Baby. Baby. The lighting is very heavy on green stuff. Like it's so green. This movie yeah. is, is so fucking green. But uh, also gold. Okay, so Maybe. I was I was gonna say it felt like a lot of yellow, <laughs> and I was like, this I might have be wrong. A pretty distinct reason for okay, greens, golds, and reds. Ooh, okay, okay, Those okay. Those are the three okay. that you see consistently. Christmas. Even when you get like blue, it's like a teal. There is green mm. thrown in, so I feel like the blue is there to help you with these kind of solemn moments, you know. Um, but they're still tinged with green, which is so funny because this movie is nothing but death. You would think, right? Like, I mean, like the, the one woman shows up, she goes, my grandson died. My, my son died. And then she goes, well, my daughter died. My mom died. And then it's constant. It's like the dad eventually dies. The mom eventually dies. So like what in this movie has anything to do with life, right? Huh? Well, it's the bringing of new life. It's the bringing of this demon. Obviously, all these people had to die to bring something new, which we knew coming from the grandmother. So there's this green constantly. Yeah. If you notice it in the high school, the stripes on the walls are this like green tile that goes through. And then every exit sign in the movie is green instead of red. What? Yeah. If you look, every single exit sign is green. I believe you, but I'm angry. So it's like, it's like this weird thing where it's like life has to leave. So that something new can come in. I'm probably looking way too deep into it. You're but every not. Time I'm just I really. See, <laughs> every time I see a green exit sign, it's like they were trying to tell you like, yeah. every sacrifice that you make is just so something new can come in. Like, there, it's everywhere. And it's that, in the trees. It's yeah. in it's in the, the walls of their house are this like nice sage oh, green. Yeah. If you notice, Tony Collette wears nothing but like green or white or like beige colors throughout the whole entire movie. And the only time you see red is when you see Joan or you see Charlie or you see her mother. Her yeah. mother is wearing a red sweater. Oh. Joan is wearing a red sweater two or three times. Charlie wears a red sweatshirt the entire movie. Okay. Yeah. And... It's, I think, because that is a contrast to green. So that is what's coming in to interrupt this this life. Like, it is like a collision of, like, there's all this life or whatever, but it has to leave for this red to come in because it is the opposite of green. And it stands out so intensely that it's, like, you have no choice but to notice them. Much like the characters in this movie have no choice but to let these things happen. Dang. To let this care. And it haunts me. But here's the gold comes in, right? So you have the the gold and gold represents like royalty, power, mm-hmm. wealth, and all these things. Well, what is, what is Payman? He's supposed to be the god of one of the eight kings of He's a of king. Hell. 
so a crown. So they have all this gold. So it's like, what interrupts life? Royalty. What feels like they're above life? Royalty. And I was watching it this whole time and I was like, I'm fucking reeling. (laughs) I feel like I've never seen color in my life. (laughs) I couldn't stop. I couldn't. Every single thing. They light a candle and it's like a green candle and then it's a gold flame. They light like, I mean, every single light that comes into this house is a gold light coming in. There's a point where they show stained glass and it's an entirely green lit room. And then the stained glass is red and yellow. There's like that Amber where he's watching yes! through Amber when he's separated from yes. the wake because he's like, I don't belong here. Because it's, it's, it's like, that's all I saw. I mean, again, I'm probably just making shit no, up, no, but no, that's no. how I felt because it, at the end, he literally, they take a crown off of Charlie's dead head and they put it on his to show that like, yeah, technically your life is gone, but a new life has come because you're royalty. You're the king of hell. So it's like... The sacrifice of the flesh brings, like, yeah. the renewal of... So it's like all this life eternity. is around you, but it means nothing. Jesus. What constantly interrupts this green light is all the gold light that comes in because it's like, well, what's better than flesh but royalty? And I was like, oh, that's fucked up. And what brings the royalty? These characters in red who are like, I'm here to disrupt the green and bring in what I think is superior. And I was like... <laughs> I was watching it reeling. Every time someone showed up, I'd go, it's green again. I was losing my mind. Truly. I'm like, I've never watched a movie before. <laughs> like listening to you describe colors, like I didn't even watch it. I've seen it twice. I've never seen it before. But it's just wild that three colors could bring so much. I mean, because that's all it was. Yeah. Every now and then you'd get some blue, but I felt like the blue was almost meant to show like an indifferent party. Yeah. Like people that were just speed bumps along this this predetermined path. Where the it's deer like, corpse in the road of sure, life. Whatever. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like it was like when they go to the party, like the high school party, it seems very blue. But then the minute you're in that car and everything, it's the green, it's like the green landscape, the gold headlights. And it's like, you're still on this path. Fuck me up. (laughs) I'll get back to my real notes, but that's the rant that I had. I have a question about light for you. When they're doing the seance Mm -hmm. in the Graham's home, what time of day is it? In the... When they're downstairs and it's Annie, not Joan. Oh. And they're in... She's pushed all the furniture out of the way or whatever. She like moves... I think it's supposed to be like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Okay. Because the light outside was very ambiguous to me. Yeah. Constantly. I was trying to figure out what time of day it was based on the light. They always have their shades drawn and it looks too bright to be nighttime. It's weird, right? But it looks too dark to be daytime. It was this weird, they did that throughout the whole movie where like it wasn't Hollywood dark, but it wasn't bright either. It wasn't like depression shades drawn, but it also wasn't like nighttime, but let us see. I they, could not tell what time of day it was supposed to be. They did that with almost all the scares where it was like, we'll give you just enough so you can see what I want you to see, but not so much that it's unbelievable. Where so it's, they kept us in this gray area. Yeah. Where it's like when Peter is going through his thing, like the house is dark, it's probably yes. nighttime. But when mom wakes up everyone and they're uh, frightened and she's like, let's do a seance. Like all of the shades are drawn, but there's so much light behind the shades that I'm like, like, when is it? Is it like 6 a.m.? Is the sun coming out? I don't even fucking know. They were very ambiguous about times of day. I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. No. 
I think it was pretty consistent unless they wanted it to be very so clear. yeah very yeah. clear like sun coming up that golden hour of like yeah. boom I, sun rays almost like, did something on liminal spaces but I was like I want to blow my weird. liminal space load <laughs> sometimes you gotta what I'm but saving it 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 was weird. It was definitely super strange because, like, obviously at school, you know what time it is. That's when school is. Like, but then there were other times where, like, when she's doing the seance with Joan, I'm like, how much time has passed? When did she get there? It's so dark. Like, I just don't. I loved it. <laughs> I, I love this movie. I understand why it scared me so much now. I'm, I'm happy that I can, like, watch it with understanding, though. And not be just anxious for I'm no reason. I'm hoping that'll come for me, too. We'll <laughs> see. Yeah, I'm not going to say what movie you're watching. I'm not. I don't cringe away from my mug anymore. Nope. Um, I also said this monologue is so interesting. Her acting is great. But here's the problem. That could be any monologue. I know which one it is. But she's so good. Is it the one where she's giving the obit or the one where she's just reaming her son at dinner? It is actually the one where she is at the support group. I was about to say that's my third choice. Yeah. It's in between those two. That one's one of my okay. favorites because it's like weird. It's that same ambiguous lighting thing, except now they're doing it with a character where I'm like, yeah. am I supposed to feel for her? Am I supposed to feel like she's privileged and she's just upset about things that like she could have controlled but didn't? Because like, she ends on, I'm being blamed. And they're like, what right. for? And she's like, I don't know. Right. But that's the problem. She owns up to it. So I'm like, so how do I feel? She goes, I'm being blamed. And usually you're like, oh, for what? But then she goes, I don't know. Sorry, I punched my mic. I was excited. Punch you. But she's like, I don't know. So I'm like, well, shit, I don't know either. So it's this moment of like, and then you just have to sit with that, and you yeah, have to you just be have to looking for it. things that she's blamed with, and it primes you to look for injuries against her. Yes, like I hit the table. <laughs> injuries <laughs> against me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it, it feels like they're they're doing that thing in the movie where they're obviously she's on a path that she can't control. Yeah. But then it feels like so are we because I'm like you're setting us up to look for these things in her character. So obviously I'm going to look for them because obviously if you're looking for something, you're more likely to find it, even if it's not Confirmation that. bias. Yes, exactly. So it's like, am I noticing this because I'm supposed to and you told me to do it? Or am I noticing it because I'm so smart and I saw it? I don't know. Ari Aster has gaslit me. I don't know. I don't know if I'm seeing things because I, I am looking hard enough or if I'm seeing things because you put it in my brain at a certain scene in such a small way. It's like, am I smart or are you manipulative? Yes. I don't know. I don't know yet. I will choose to believe I am smart. But <laughs> Right? I'm like, but I'm going to say I'm smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's great. I think that that's, I think it's cool. I think it's cool when you can be like, it's ambiguous whether or not you understand what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. I think that that's cool. Because, like, we've talked about movies that hold the audience's hand too much. Mm. And we've talked about movies where they kind of let you go wild. And sometimes yeah. you have to form your own ending. But this one gives you the ending. But whether you got there on your own or whether you got there because of what they showed you is kind of on you. And I think that's so cool. They give you an option. It's like a fucking... This is like choose a your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Exactly. Ah. This is a very much, like, how much am I paying attention or how much am I just picking up subconsciously? Mm. This is one of those movies where I feel like you could get to the same ending almost no matter what, just no matter what level you paid attention, just because like subconsciously you're going to pick up on these weird, dangerous things yeah. or you're genuinely paying attention and you saw all these tiny little moments, but it's just great. <laughs> I don't know. I just love this movie. It freaks me out. Mm. <clears throat> um, 
let's see. Okay, I said it seems like the characters were meant to sort of feel anxiety about wearing red. Oh, swear to talked about this. I said like the the characters who are wearing red were supposed to feel anxious about them. Again, it's that moment of like, did I notice it? Or subconscious. Ah, I have to decide. I don't know. Uh, oh, this all the light in this movie feels like gold. I said it's not just like light. It's not just light. It's straight up gold light. Ah. Oh, I also wrote I hate this part. Still haunts me. Oh, it's when she goes to the party. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's obvious. Um, also, if you're my girlfriend, we don't spoil or anything. We don't say spoilers. So I'm just going to give you a warning now. We're going to spoil. We're about spoil to spoil this. the ending like we've never ending. done before. I know this is unprecedented and we never do it. But um, yeah, I'm going to spoil the ending. <laughs> so the part where she does die is so creepy. I hate it. Do you know it's based on a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't talk about that just because it felt weird to bring it up in my notes. But if you feel like looking it up, go for it. Yeah. It's on you. But I I wasn't super inclined. We're not a yeah. true crime podcast. That's not what we're we do. We're not a true crime podcast. So um, I yeah. do have a thing to say about it. Leading yeah. up to it. Sure. It's like leading up to her untimely demise is that like based on word of God, Ariaster, um, is basically like she has been possessed by payment since she was born. Mm-hmm. And... Throughout the entire film, she's very cognizant of the chocolate sh- that she eats. Mm-hmm. And at the party, we see them chopping the walnuts, but then oh, we also see when they when they cut the cake, it is very clear that there are walnuts in it. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't have a nut allergy. I just don't like walnuts. And so, like, I clock that shit. Yeah. And so it's like, when you look at the slice of cake, you can see the walnuts. It's And it's like, this is Payman choosing this. Because Again. she could see it. Even though she was, like, in this awful situation, she was so uncomfortable, she was out of her element, Mm -hmm. you could see the walnuts in it. Again, it's that moment of, like, would I notice it? Or is this just some, like, I don't know. You could get to the same ending no matter what. And it is one of those things where I'm like, of course she would have known. Because, like, they show the cross-section of the cake. And it's like they show the walnut cutting, like, they make... Oh, they show the walnut cutting a they make a huge fucking deal about like the nut thing from the beginning because like at one point they're at the funeral and she pulls a chocolate bar huge out of her chocolate bag bar. And, white. and then dad's like does that have nuts in it and she's like no right are you ridiculous would i do that and she doesn't say that she just does some nuts in it and then the mom is like does that have nuts in it like we don't they have the epipen and I was like, you don't have the EpiPen? You don't carry that everywhere? Furious. And then I was like, anyway, that's foreshadowing. So like, anyway, here's Wonderwall moment. Because I was like... Anyone who has worked in any kind of childcare knows that literally if you have any kind of allergy, it doesn't matter how severe, you are meant to have an EpiPen yes. no matter what. And I, so when they were like, we don't have the EpiPen, I'm like, bro, you're supposed to have that. That is a thing. Like, it doesn't matter how severe it is. It doesn't matter if it's like she breathes it and she's dead or if like she could eat a full peanut and be like eh, i'll be fine in five hours it maybe i'll be concerned matter i literally everywhere i go because i worked with kids yes and like some of them had severe peanut allergies yes and it's so, like everywhere i've gone like i'm on an airplane i have my like mixed nuts and i turn to the person next to me and i say do you have a peanut allergy and they're like no you fucking weirdo i'm like good you won't die then i turn to the person across the aisle I'm like do you have a peanut allergy they're like no i'm like cool you won't die Everyone is like weird and it's like they're weirded out, but it's like I'm like I just want to make sure you won't fucking die. Right. And they're like, oh, that's so like weird and nice of you. And I was like, I worked with kids. Yes, you ask. 
anytime I'm eating food around people that I don't know, I ask. You get so used to being like, I know this kid's allergy so extensively. I have their EpiPen. I'm always ready. I know what other kids are eating for lunch. Yeah. So like for them to make this this weird haphazard thing, again, was this a choice? I was like, did they have this choice? To me, it's like when you have a child that grows up with a nut allergy, which is one of the most alarming and one one of the most well-known allergies for kids to have. Yeah, like it's in so many foods. People know that. And it's like when you have a child that is 12, mm -hmm. Charlie's 12 or 13, one of those two, numbers are hard. She, Yeah, she's around there. How do you not have an EpiPen with you? Thank you. That is... At the age of 12, they should be allowed to administer uh, administer it themselves. Like, that is a thing. Like, that it's a normal thing. Like, when I worked at this camp, it was a very big thing of, like, uh, are they allowed to hold it themselves? Do they want to? Do they feel comfortable? Yeah. And if they are, cool, they can have it. Yeah. But either way, it was around. And also, this is, like, a very solidly upper middle class, middle class family. So it's not like, could they afford it? Like, they they could could afford an EpiPen. It was wild. That part drove me nuts. So I was like, drove me anyway, nuts. here's foreshadowing. <laughs> but again, I was like, yeah, are they making this choice? I don't know. Does it just show that they are forgetful? Is it supposed to be like that? Does it set you up to be like, they clearly don't remember it? And it's like every interaction they have with Charlie before she dies is very much like. It's odd. It's very uncomfortable because it's like we care and we're aggressive. And it's not like, I love you so much. It's like, are you stupid? Why are you That's outside it. barefoot? You could get pneumonia. Are you it's dumb? Like, like, why did you do this? And it's so mean. It's hurtful. It is hurtful love. It's yeah. like love where I'm like, I don't want you to get sick. But instead of saying, I don't want you to get yeah. sick, it's, aren't you stupid? And it's why like, why are you so dumb? Like, it's like, I don't think we get like a fair look at them because. We see them after a family grief right. has occurred. So again, and like none of them are actually very sad. No. But like we do see them at a moment of stress. It but is. like the way that they treat Charlie is never loving. Never outright. loving. It's like everything they do comes from a place of caring. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing it in a caring way. Yes. So it's so strange. Where she like grabs her arm and like oh, drags she pulls her in. Like, her. Oh, no, no. And again, he... He says, like, I'll bring her to the party, blah, blah, but he lies. I mean, he's like, yes, there's drinking. Yes, there's all these things, but he just says no. He never says, like, I don't want to bring her. He just goes, well, you said to bring her. Like, there's just all these moments where you could have been like, no, don't. These things will be happening. I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's, it's wild. It's how she becomes, like, she starts as the pawn, and then she becomes the possessing yes. force in their life. Yeah, which is great. Um, talked about the allergy already. Um... The shot of the car from far away. Again, it's a nice, like, not even throwback because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's a nice um, foreshadowing of when she builds that dollhouse replica of There's the moment. so much foreshadowing in it's this film. It's so cool. that You see this moment with the car from pretty far away. And then later she literally builds the, the scene, the scene of the accident. And it's like, you've got to be pretty unwell to... To think that is what you should be building. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I said the tracking shots make you feel like we're going to get jump scares. But it's worse. Because yeah. it's so slow. So you yeah. get these intense childlike colors. Like you literally get primary colors the whole way through. But everyone is so unwell. So you're expecting something scary from every single character. But all you're getting is genuine grief. So instead of getting a jump scare, you're met with like, 
genuine human emotion and it's almost worse because you're like i wish somebody would jump out at me i wish that a a scary face would appear but really i'm just seeing a mother scream i wish i was dead in her room and you're like i would give anything to be jump scared right now me (laughs) but instead they're like nope the last 25% of the movie has jump scares in it, yes. but up until that, it's just you're begging to be scared. And, and it's just like, no, we'll show you the saddest fucking shit we can. And even the jump scares at the end, I feel like I've been so like desensitized to to that that I'm like, you've already shown me the worst. I'm like, I, you can jump scare me all you want. The ending doesn't even feel scary. Again, we've already talked about it. It's so predetermined that I felt like, yep, like, I felt like I was just seeing the ending that I was already shown in the beginning. Like, but it still works because I'm like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, they give you every piece of the puzzle and it's already built by the time you get to the end. At this point, you're just zooming out and looking at it full picture. And it's, oh, it's horrifying. It, it works so well. Um, oh my God. I went nuts on lights again. I said, God, everything is so green and gold. I love this. The, I wrote the red. The red. <laughs> All of the followers of the cult are wearing red. Yeah. Every single one of them. They always have red. Unless they're nude. You Still know. wearing red. I was I was losing my mind a little bit apparently. Um, I said that scene in the room. Oh, with the mom. Oh, which mom? I'm not gonna talk about it because it's my it's my scariest moment. Okay. I shan't. I had Again, a few moments where I was like, which one is the scariest? Even the floor mat was I red. chose the one that actually made me scream out loud. Really? And I thought about texting my neighbors being like, by the way, I'm fine. I chose the one that made me go, <gasps> and then hold the breath and go, oh my God. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I needed that. I screamed um, and then I took it back three more times to watch it again. There were two moments that got me. So like, I'm basically done with my notes at this point. Because oh, okay. like, I was so into to colors that I didn't talk about anything else. Acting, obviously. I think everyone... Like Tony Collette said when she chose the movie, that like everyone felt really human. Yeah. They all did that. They all felt really, really like human. Even when Alex, what's his real name in the movie? Peter. Peter. When Peter is crying, it almost feels kind of fake. Yeah. But then you're like, no, I, I've cried like that. I literally, not to be sad, but I had a breakdown like fucking earlier. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like having fucking cliche tears. And it sounded just like that. So I was like, who am I to judge him? It's like, I've had every manner of crying. Yes. I could not judge this human. I feel like in movies where they're supposed to be sad, you get that silent tear. And I'm like, lucky you if you can get it. I, I instead get the, <laughs> like, snot dripping. I can silent cry until someone says, are you okay? And then and it's like, gone. I'm fine. I got here and I was like, and I was like, ah! I heard you sniffing as you walked and I was like, it's okay. I know. Just I was like, I just need to sit real quick. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm fine, by the way. Um, but yeah, like, I think that all the acting is very human. It's not over the top, but it's not also muted to, like, for our benefit. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, they were like, feel it, <laughs> you know? Um, it's good. That's good. It was the acting and the colors for me that really solidified everything. And also okay. the, the predetermination of, like, whether this is, did you make any choice? Because I feel like we were going through that same thing. Or I'm like, yeah. did I notice anything? Or was it just my subconscious being like, yeah, I knew. Oh, fascinating. So good. What uh, did you have? I'm okay. excited. So I had my treehouses note, my anyway, that's foreshadowing. Um, I I really love anytime they have an English class yeah. <laughs> because I'm just like, this is where I'm at home. The background yeah. knowledge was so fun. 
Oh, I love it's that show. It's so good. Okay. So one of my other notes is like this other pairing. And I don't think like overall the movie has like mm-hmm. this sets of pairs, but I had several that like jumped out to me. So yes. in the very early scene, like father picks up the phone. He's like, it's like, oh, it's the cemetery, whatever. He walks away and it's about the desecration. Yeah. Uh, Grim. And he's like, it's only been a week. And then he's like, oh, it's just some billing crap. And so he lies to mom. Yeah. And then mom says, okay, well, I'm going to go see a a movie. And so they both lie, just like right right up against each other. And then later, that exact same pair of lies comes back. Yes. When he's like, oh, you weren't to the movies? Are you the one that desecrated the grave? You were at all these movies? Were you digging up your mother's corpse? And then she's like, what? She's like, (laughs) she was in a grief circle. (laughs) Like, Yeah. And so to me, like, it was just fascinating that, like, they both lied in quick succession, and then that exact pairing of lies came back again later. It's so good. Oh, so I just really identify with Tony Collette when she's like, I guess this helped me the last time I was forced to come. And I was like, I get you. <laughs> it's like, I'm also a petulant little bitch when someone tells me to do a thing that's good for me. I'm like, I'll do it because I want to, not because you said so. <laughs> Tony Collette is incredible. I'm a chew younger sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like... I'm choosing to do this. I'm doing it. And so she's like at her grief thing and she's like, I mean, last time I was forced to come and I guess it helped. So maybe I'll open up. And then she shares her life story. Right. Uh, and I love that. I identify yeah. with it. I love how one girl's just like fucking dancing and everyone else is just like kind of chilling. Party. Sitting down. Yeah. So good. Um. So then I have the moment where like we talked about the camera where he walks and the camera's yes. behind. Um. I had an accent moment. Guess which character? Oh my god, the dad? Yeah. yeah. He's Irish. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he said something and I went, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like he, like from the very beginning, I was like, his accent's weird. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It but was then, almost like they weren't telling him to hide it as yeah. much as just like have a subtle accent. And Very at one point he like yells something up the stairs and it's like, the way you said that, oh right? my friend. Like, who, what now? And so I Googled it, Irish, and then yeah. I actually watched like a YouTube of him like interviewing, like he was being interviewed, oh. but then he was like, let me turn this on you and interview the person right back. Very Irish. So he definitely was like covering a fair portion of it. Right. But it, what I can clock Australian like a mile away. You have an Australian accent. I, name a more iconic duo. <laughs> You love them. Me hunting them down and them you running do. away from me You're desperately. Like, They're Australian. And like, like, they can't relax. hide from me. <laughs> um, I have a broken part of my brain where it's like Irish and New Zealish, where it's not like New Zealander and Ireland sure, and Irish. Sure, it's sure. I- yeah, anyway, I'm good. So um, the dad that plays Steve, yeah. he's Irish. He's Irish. He's Irish. Uh, okay. The scenes with the ants. Mm. was made to destroy me. I know. I saw that and I was like, hey, oh no. I warn you about praying mantises. I'm so sorry. You, I, I watched it before you. You had no chance to warn me. I thought it was like beetles or something. So then when it was ants, I went, Kate. But I was like, she already watched it. I already watched it. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I watched a full 24, 48 hours before full, you. Like you had told me about it and I was like, she already saw. I was... I have notes. I'm like, this is my nightmare. You, this was made to... I, I was not well. No. Um, and then my next note is a journey to all the places that Peter is unwell. Because it has just a series of like his shots of him Peter. unwell at school, unwell outside, unwell at home, unwell in bed. <laughs> He's just 
Oh, the places you'll go to be sad. <laughs> Where can you have a mental breakdown? Only you can find out. And he was like, and I will. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then I have like, you know, how much of like the space is about like the home itself yeah. and then about like emotion, whatever. I didn't talk about that was a sentence. I already talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have Greek tragedy and Cassandra Truths may name a yeah. more iconic duo, but like it doesn't even feel fair to say that because those are actually married together. Right. Um, oh, I was like, what's this note? Okay, so Peter. So mom's already been a spider yeah. in the upper yeah, corner, she's upper left hand corner. She's yeah. like lurking, she's doing her thing, and it, she hasn't moved yet. And he's just, like, doing his thing. And it's, like, a real when-you-see-it moment. Takes a while. Very alarming. I screamed out loud. I didn't see it the first time. I took it back. There were three parts in this movie where I literally rewound it three times. Yeah. One of them was her monologue at dinner where she's, like, screaming. I am your mother! Mm-hmm. The iconic line. face on your face! I have I a trope for that later. Because it's such a... Of course you would say that. It yeah. felt good. It felt like improv and she said it and they were like, no, 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 you would have said it. Keep keep mm-hmm. it in. I have a trope for that and I'm very excited to talk about it later. So I'm it was so one excited. of the three moments. Yeah. And then um, one of the other moments was my scariest one. Oh, good. But this one is when like I did not see her until right before it cut and I was like, I have to take this back to when he gets out of bed so I can see when we see her. She haunts me in those moments. So then like after watching it three times... I'm like, okay, well, he's calling for them again, and you're looking everywhere for mom, because she's wily and could be anywhere like a Hill House ghost. Because Honey of Hill House and Blind Manor, they, like, very intentionally hide, like, dozens of ghosts in, like, every scene. So mean. And I've never seen a single one. No! And I, like, rewatch it, and I'm like, did I even see this show? Like, I'm like, I didn't even watch it. I fucking dare you. I was watching The Gardener the whole time. Oh, I was, though. (laughs) All of us were. (laughs) I don't know. So then I have, like, this Hill House note and then my next note dim a dang i love the camera movement <laughs> dim a dang uh and then my last note that i i when i take notes stream of consciousness because i'm trying to like track what's happening so that later i can go find my actual notes right and so i'll leave like this happened in this scene this happened in this scene yeah and so like that's how i found like my camera angles where i was like okay i know this happened after this so then i found that so like it does serve a purpose but what right. ends up happening is i have 15 pages oh God. of double spaced just like notes you wild and i try to pull maybe a page over right of like the relevant interesting stuff and my last one that i pulled over is where is spider mom oh donovan fret in the corner of the ceiling her favorite place to perch i mean fair <laughs> fun story about spider mom when i worked at the movie theater um my Coworker used to joke when that movie came out because I were talking about it. I was like, oh man, I never noticed her in the corner. Like I never saw. And he goes, what'd you do like one day if I came I came to work and I had a cutout of her and I just hung it in the corner. Because like die. obviously we worked at, we worked yeah. in a tech booth. It's dark. I mean, we're not allowed to have lights on because they could see it from the theater. So it's, it's pretty dark except for the lights that come from like the projectors. So like the corner he was pointing at was pitch black, except for the red light that comes from the projector. And he goes, what if I just hung the cutout right there? And I went, huh, that would scare me. And then out of nowhere, he just goes, 
Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And with the best acting I've ever seen come from a man with no acting training, he just goes, oh my, what the fuck is that? And he starts pointing behind me and I went, no, and I screamed no. and I just laid on the ground and I just got down and he was like, I'm just kidding. And I was like, that's something I you. would fall for, not you. And this was like, I had just seen Hereditary and I just, and he oh, was talking yeah. about her in the corner and I was so unwell. I, I was think like, how dare you? I think maybe I was uh, inoculated to this as a child yeah. because at like Bob Evans and shit. <laughs> how does the story start like this? I'm glad you asked. Uh, my sister, very gullible. Love yeah. her desperately. I'm slightly less gullible than her. Only slightly. Only slightly. Dad would be like, what is that? And she'd like look and then he'd take a fry. And so anytime someone is like, what's that? I'm like, you're trying to take my fries, huh? Mm. Even if I don't have fries, I'm like, you're trying to fool me. Like, and so I like joke and I like look at him and I'm like, I'm not going to be fooled. <laughs> so like, that's the only thing protecting <laughs> Thank me. Thank God. Is like possessiveness over food. Oh, as someone with no siblings. I was like, you can tell me anything. And I go, okay, I trust you with my life. Like he just pointed I'm not kidding when I say it was the best acting I've ever seen. He was like, what the fuck is that? And he was backing away and he was like, I was so scared. And then he went, just kidding. And I was like, I don't want to work here anymore. It's like, I will kick you in the throat. I was so Goodbye, scared. Sir. I was like, I would leave you for dead. Like, it would not even bother me. Do you hear that? Coworker, you know who you are. You know you're to, dead He to listens me. to the podcast. I hope Hi, you listen I love to the you. episode. I hope I love you too. But I hope you listen to this episode and you go, that was me. Uh-huh. You scared the shit out of me that day. I think about this all the time. Whew. This movie got me. This movie got to me. So, scariest moment then, right? I know mine. I know I, mine too. Do you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. My scariest moment is one that is um, not necessarily a jump scare or anything like that, but for some reason, it scared the fuck out of me. It's the first moment where she turns off the light and her mom is just standing That's in the dark room. Yeah, her mom is just standing in the dark room. She's just smiling. She's not doing anything. But it's the fact that, like, we've already, it's already been established she's dead. So, like, she turns off this light. Red sweater, by the way. Red sweater. <laughs> she's got a red sweater. So, she's standing there and she's just smiling. And she just looks so happy to be there. And it's, like, this smug smile of, like, I know it's coming. It's all good. Like, you're on the path that I set. And she turns on the light and she's gone. And it's, it's so well done because it's not that Hollywood dark. It's genuinely it's dark. Like, dark. it took me a minute to be, like... Is there a person there? And then I went, oh shit, yeah, it's her mom. And it felt like I was looking at like a dark room. Cause like, that's what it would have looked like. I think they did a good job of making it super realistic and that's what made it so scary. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't like she was doing anything menacing. It wasn't like she was extra scary or coming at her. It was just that it was realistic. Can you imagine turning the light off in a room and all of a sudden there's just a form? That looks vaguely like someone you know that is dead. I would dead. love to not imagine that. Thank you. Well, good well. luck because it's time. And that's the moment that got me. There were so many moments that were so scary. Close second was her face changing after she lights her husband on fire. That moment. Where me. she's like full of horror and she's, then just emptiness. Mm-hmm, because she obviously just got possessed. possessed. By payment. And it was just like this, this beautiful moment of Tony Collette being incredible of just pure horror. Her husband just got lit on fire. And then her face just goes boop. Straight face. As I actress, know what I have to do. She can do no wrong. Oh my god! I have she's so no talented. Idea it makes who me she is as a human. It makes but me as mad. an actress, she can do no wrong. It makes me mad. She's so talented. That moment haunts me. So it was between that and this one, but this one just 
stuck with me because yeah. I was like, I can imagine turning a light off and being like, did I just see someone? Um, okay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So that got me. Okay. That's fine. That's yours. Mine is the moment where I literally, I was sitting right there. Yeah. And I had my headphones on and it happened. I've seen this movie before. I screamed. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not surprised. It's a scary movie. I was like, one more again. <laughs> so I watched it like three more times. <laughs> and it's, um, so... You've seen the corpse of the husband, the charred corpse. Yes. And Peter's like looking around and you're like, okay, well, mom was already in the upper corner and then like she's not there anymore. And then you hear a thud and he's like, what's that? And then she's in the corner and then she just runs at him. But she's in the opposite corner. Yeah. Oh. She's suddenly in the wrong place. Yeah. And she's she was on the floor. In the wrong place, and that's what's so fucked up. She was wrong in a way that you've seen before. Right. And then she was wrong on the ground, obeying the laws How of physics. How dare you be wrong in a new way? Yeah. Yeah. I already adjusted to you being a spy. Oh. What is happening? Sorry, Moira. You're blowing up over opinions. here. It's my finch bird. So, like, I was already used to her being on the ceiling. So, right. I was looking for mom on the ceiling. And then suddenly, he's, like, looking, he hears a thud, and you're like, fuck, what's happening? And then she's on the ground in the corner, and then she just fucking runs at him. Just like the beginning, this movie gaslights you, where it's, like, scared you know? shitless. It was good. That moment got me, too. I didn't scream, because I I didn't remember her being on the ground, but I, I knew either. something was coming. And then when she ran out from there, I went, not the ceiling. Like, I remember just being like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> I've seen this movie. And it's like, I was ready for a jump scare. I wasn't ready for her to be on the ground. It just... Because she'd been on the ceiling. They just they it's just fine. give you just enough surprise. It's not constant jump scares. So you almost get lulled into this false sense of like, oh, we're good. We're good. And like, it but reminded no. me of the Annabelle one where someone's mm-hmm. running to the door. And that then one like, was good. Yeah. It reminds me of that in terms of like the running. That movie's <laughs> shitty, but that moment... Yeah is very well done where she's running, running, running. She's a little girl and then she hits the door and they, you don't see her for a second and then she's different. Yeah. So it's like your brain, it's like they just trick you. It's good. Oh, that moment's good. I knew you were going to pick that. As soon as I saw it, I went, that's gotta be Kate's moment. Oh God, yeah. The other one was like when mom's up in the corner, just like, yes. It's the quiet moments that get me, I think the most, just because they're so They know how to build it. And yeah. they know how to hold they on build something. They build and they hold it. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want to look at it anymore. And they spend but, so much. Like, it's a two-hour movie. Yeah. So, like, if you want to break it down into, like, 30-minute chunks, like, four quarters. And the first three quarters is about slow burn. Yes. And then the last 30. Just boom. Is about balls to the walls. I, shit. I remember when it got to the part where his nose was broken. And I was like well, I know he has a broken nose at the end. And I'm like, are we literally? And then boom, it just started going off. And I'm like, oh, so it all happens now. Because I remember I had 30 minutes left and I went, there's no way they're going to do all that. But they are. And it's haunting mm-hmm. to go from such a slow, like, what the fuck is happening to, I know what's happening and I hate it. Yeah. It's, it's like we good. go from like family tragedy of yelling horrific truths over yeah. dinner to mom's on the ceiling and then grand like headless grannies floating to the treehouse. Yes. It's spooky. It's spooky indeed. But yeah, that's that's my scariest moment. That's my scariest moment. Are you that's ready to I'm I'm so ready. I'm excited. There are a lot, obviously. Yeah. Uh I'm going in alphabetical order. I might take some detours, obviously. We'll see. Affably evil. So it's when <laughs> people that are just bad are just yeah. kind of like nice. And so my hands down funniest moments are when Peter's in the attic. His mom has 
chased him up the stairs, just um, defying the laws of physics and of maternal love. And she, like, you hear her banging, and he's like, Mommy, no! And then you think she's banging with her fist, but then you see and she's hanging upside down, banging her head. Absolutely horrific. Like, everything about that that is just, like, mind-bendingly awful. That was also on my list of possible. He looks in the corner, and two naked people are there, and one of them, like, cheekily waves, like, smiles and waves. I'm just like, It's so great. He's like, oh, no. What the fuck? Like, (laughs) and she's like, you made it. There's nothing worse than being scared and seeing nudity. I swear. It's like non-threatening nudity suddenly. No, I can't. At least threaten me so I can at least be in the same mindset. It's like this is a different wavelength than I was on. I don't know what to do. And I was like, this is very funny and scary. It's it's so funny. But then you're like, And like (laughs) all of the cult of payment people are very friendly. Yeah. They like, are, like, beheading your female family members. They're very nice. Well, once you pass that bond. Yeah. You know? They're nice, not kind. Yeah. Now, this is affably evil. Um, armor-piercing question. We've had this before. I don't remember if it was, I like, to descent or something else, but it's basically, like, there's the armor-piercing question and armor-piercing reply, and it's, like, someone asks the thing that gets to the heart of the matter, and sometimes someone can reply with, well, what about this? And so the armor-piercing question is at dinner when Annie is like, Oh, that moment. I can't forgive you because you haven't said I'm sorry. And he's like, why was she there? She didn't want to go to the party. Why was she at the party? Yeah, it's like both of them. Because at first you're like, well, yeah, why did you not like help her? Why did you not say something when you got home? But then you're also like, how come Issa made her go? Oh, it's rough. The only person there that's just, like, out of it is Dad. He's like, I hate this. He's like, this is the worst thing ever, but I don't know what to do. Right. And, like, the moment later in that scene where he, like, tries to, like, console Son, and then he starts to pick up his food. He takes, like, maybe one bite, and he just sets it down. He's like, I can't do this. Him sobbing in the car is a haunting moment. Yeah. I was so sad. Because I was like, I get it. I get it. I'm just like, there's nothing else I can do. No. It's rough. So armor beers in question. Oh. Body motifs. We have a lot of focus on eyes and also yeah. headless corpses. Yeah. They do that a lot with the toys, which I think is cool. I think it's yes. interesting that they, they they avoid gore in this movie well. Yeah. They show you some, obviously. Some, but it's but not like, gratuitous. Even with the grandma, I mean, she's been dead for a while. She doesn't have a head. So, like, you don't necessarily see it. And they, like, show some light maggots around her armpit area. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, but festering. It's, but you it's know? also dark. So it's, yeah. like, this moment of, like, maybe it's it's good. A little I, maggot. A little table. maggot for a tree, you know? Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was good. It's a good amount of gore. Because I know yes. I don't like gore porn. I'm not a fan. Yeah. So I was happy when I was, like, just a little. Yeah. Just a tad. Yeah. Uh, so then there's also bookends. We talked about yes. this with we begin with the treehouse and then model miniature. And then we end with the treehouse zooming out until it's like free floating in space Another, like, like a miniature. It's so good. So fucking good. Uh, and then we get to like a disagreement. Yeah. So in. Have you seen Firefly or Serenity? Yes. Okay. So you know River Tam. Mm-hmm. And you obviously know Kim Possible. Okay. So there are two tropes, one of which is ceiling cling, and mm-hmm. the other is wall crawl. Yeah. And ceiling cling, we kind of get a bit of both. Yeah. So mom, like, definitely perches up on the ceiling. Right. But it's more about the uncanny and inhuman movement and the ability to stick to the wall 
as opposed to her being like River Tam or Kim Possible being just like up in the rafters. Right. So like ceiling cling is like someone being like very bendy and muscular and being like, they didn't look up, ha ha. Whereas this is more, I shouldn't be able to do that. No one should be able to do that. Right. Yeah. So I think it's more wall crawl, even though she does wall crawl ceiling. She literally crawls out of the room. Yeah. I would say it's more wall crawl. Yeah. Even though she is on the ceiling at some point, it is not the same vibe as the ceiling. It's not a feat of strength. It's a feat of supernatural. Like, I shouldn't do this. It's like, there's a demon inside of you, babe. Yeah. 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 Uh, Creative closing credits. This is a fun one. So uh, one letter of each name drops down into the next. So the name is inheriting a letter from that of the name before it. Oh. Yeah. Hereditary. Hereditary. They got me. You got me. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Two tropes that I don't feel the need to explain. Creepy doll. Demonic possession. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, We've also had this before. Drone of Dread. Yeah. Pretty common. We've had this one before. I don't remember when, but it's one of my favorites. Department of Redundancy Department. (laughs) It's like the fucking (laughs) face on your face. The fucking face on your face. And like... When she continues the sentence, she's, like, so full of resentment and, like, this. It makes sense. And it is, like, the most believable line of dialogue in the entire fucking film. I love it. Department of Redundancy Department. That's so funny. This that, that specific line reminded me of a moment where I was in a play. And they were like, let's do the scene, but I want you to improv instead of, like, you know, actually acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the character that I was screaming about to the husband was Stanley. And the, the moment was that he wasn't as strong as Stanley. And I chose to say, why can't you be manly like Stanley? <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I went, fuck. <laughs> and I was pissed. I was like, ruined the whole scene for me. I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. This is stupid. I was like, why can't you be manly like Stanley? <laughs> and I was like, I ruined this. I was like, I don't know how you're keeping like your Stan composure. Manson, manly stanzers. <laughs> he didn't laugh. The guy that was in the scene with me did not laugh. And I went, good on you, because I'm yeah. losing it in here. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> so that reminded me of that. I was like, I'm haunted. Manly like Stanley. Manly, manly like Stanley. <laughs> God. Uncrabbed. Awful. Dying declaration of love. Yeah. Yeah. We have the mom being like, you're the love of my life. I also love my son. I love you so much. And then she lights him on fire on accident. Yeah. She's like, oopsies. Yep. yep. Dis- nope. Dysfunction junction. What's your function? Yeah. I was like, you know. Yeah. That's cool. Let's rock. So only Steve is doing all right. And that's relative to everyone else. Yeah. Everyone else is just having a time. Uh, yeah. Evil matriarch. Yeah. Fly is equal evil. Yeah, duh. Genre mashup. Because we had this right. very much be like a family tragedy in the Trojan horse of a horror film. Right. Gross up, close up. Yeah. So hell. this one's fun because when it's an animation, like you've seen SpongeBob. Yes. Remember? Oh, they do those like. They do those moments really where it's like, intense. oh, you see like a Krabby Patty. And then it's like, do you think this is funny? And he's like, what are you talking about? And then they like zoom in and it's like the most detail that you've ever seen it's in a cartoon so ever. It's like. And it's disgusting, but it's also a level of detail that you've never seen in a cartoon ever. And it's yes. like, this is unusual. And also there are toenails in that Krabby Patty. Right. So that's like one of the animation styles of gross up, close up. Yeah. In this case, it's just like really zooming in on a head, yeah, with maggots and ants, and it, it's very fast. Yeah, and you're like oh, okay, yeah, like 
Yeah, it's like you knew what happened. Yeah. I didn't need it. They spend more time on the head than you want them to. Not as much as they could have, but more than you wanted. I was like, they give you just enough. Yeah. We have the heroic sacrifice, which is attempted and subverted. Mom tries. She's like, burn this. I can't do it. It will set me on fire. I don't have the courage. She puts the lighter fluid on it or the paint thing or whatever the fuck. She hands it to him. He says, I can't do it. And she's like, fuck you. She runs, throws it in. He gets lit on fire instead. Yikes. Yeah. And then we have Mind Screw, which is so much of this. And I wanted to provide, like, the laconic definition, which is in tvtropes.org. Thank you, tvtropes. Hi. Uh, And it's, quote, weirdness driven by symbolism, surrealism, or absurdism, often lacking a clear explanation. Oh. And I think it's very interesting because often, like, there's that trope of gain axe ending, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, out of fucking nowhere. Right. And then you get a lot of, like, Mind Screw stuff. And that's why, like, one of the things... I'm so excited for you to read Catch Me Too. Oh, I can't wait. It's banana pants. But <laughs> I think it's interesting to look at like weirdness driven by symbolism because it's not weirdness for the sake of strangeness. Right. It's like there is a purpose and it serves like a larger allegory or something. Yes. Uh, and then next up we have plot allergy. Stop. The nuts. The nuts. The nuts. The nuts. Soundtrack dissonance. Yeah. Thousand Yard Stare. Yeah. We get so much of that with Peter. A lot of that. Water Wake Up. <laughs> Where it's like they splash them with water. Oh my God, I'm out of the possession trance. Oh God. Uh, would Hurt a Child. We had that last time too. <laughs> yes. And then last, You Can't Fight Fate. How dare you? I know. But you can't. This movie fucks me up understanding it is the worst you know what i mean like watching it before in the theaters i was like oh so scary but now that i understand i'm like i hate it like really digging into it like, like oh, really digging into dig it, it is like oh, oh dig, dig it, it. Dig it all. <laughs> no i don't wanna <laughs> i don't wanna dig and i did dig and it was worth it but it hurt yeah oh my god it's time to rate this film i'm looking at mine i was like well i have three nut variations I but then I also have Headless Grannies. Okay. That was one of mine. Flesh Squelches. Oh. And arguably not okay Annie's. <laughs> you know I think it's funny when we have the long ones, right? Yeah. Because I was going to say Spider Mommy, but arguably not okay Annie. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it's like, good. Okay Annie? Arguably not. Arguably, no, not really. We got to do arguably okay Annie's. Arguably not okay. Not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so you have sorry. To be, like yeah. she's not okay. She's not okay. Yeah. I have mine. I have mine. Okay. One, two. Wow. Okay. My only four was for the one moment that I thought they could have taken out that didn't. Oops, I have a huge mic. fucking qualm. Is I bet the arsler. Yes. Uh, that's my only qualm. Like I, yeah. I give it four. By the way. Oh yeah. Four. Arguably not okay. Eddie's from Nikki. I would say. Because you gave it five. I would give it five, literally, but I just found that joke unnecessary. Yes. It's not like other times where they say it and it's meant to show you this character sucks. This character is meant to be awful, but this is a throwaway character. It felt very ambiguous as to whether you're supposed to actually care about her. And I was like, this was very, like, I had a real problem with that scene. going to give me that much ambiguity with her, then she doesn't need to say it. It just felt stupid. It just felt stupid. There was no point. Like, it felt it, like it was supposed to build resentment, but you already did that. You didn't right. need another character and to also, drop a slur. We don't really see her again. So I was like, so what 
What? It, it was, was point. pointless and I hated so it. So it felt like a slur that just didn't need to be there. I I don't excuse it, but I at least understand where it comes from when you are purposefully giving it to a character who is meant to be the absolute worst and them using the slur drives the fact that they are a horrible person. Yeah. I still don't like it, but I'm like, you were using it for a reason. It's not pointless. Yeah. But this felt pointless. It and felt I pointless. was like, it felt like when we watched Jennifer's Body and yeah. they said it there. And I was like, again, a joke that just was unnecessary. And this wasn't a joke. It was meant to kind of give us some resentment for this character. But again, no, she was okay. a character that never came back. So I was like, who cares? It doesn't fucking matter. So I know that that's a big thing to take off. So I will say like four and a half. Yeah. I think because I'll also bump mine to four and a half. Four and a half. So like, we like both compromised yeah. on the middle. Because yeah. like, I love it, obviously. The way I talked about it, I was in love with this movie. Yeah. I really am. I think that it's incredible that it's... It's so haunting and it, it has, it makes you think about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's like those, those nesting dolls where it's, it gets one thing mm-hmm. inside of another that it just keeps going and going until you get to what it really is. And I think that's great. I just wish that some of the, some of the moments were just a little pointless, didn't need to be there. Specifically yeah. that one kind of upset me. And I was like, yeah. a throwaway line, but eh, just pointless. But other than yeah. that, love this movie exactly what you said yeah because like i don't even remember that character's name like i don't either it was a throwaway line we usually see it when it's meant to establish something it wasn't right that character didn't matter right dropping a slur like that it was unnecessary it wasn't necessary so i originally gave it five arguably not okay annie's i give it four and a half yeah so that's total Same. of nine because yeah. like i was entranced by the camera movement <sighs> and, and i was freaking out about the color i like by the incorporation of the miniatures and the greek symbolism like so much about this film drew me in and that is in spite of my disdain for guilt (laughs) yes where it's like i just am very uncomfortable with guilt it's hard as a human like i think it's very emotionally heavy and i have a hard time dealing with it in media it hurts and so it's like unkind i know sorry so it's like in spite of that I really like this movie. I do. And so it's like, I have my huge fucking major qualm. So yeah. four and a half, arguably four not okay half. Annie's. So arguably that's not okay Annie's. Total. It really was good. Yeah. I, I really do like it. I'm glad it held up. I was worried. I was worried I would watch it and be like, oh, it's not that scary. But it was. It it haunted me. <laughs> um, yeah. Before I watched it, I was like, I'm not like a huge fan of Ari Aster because I have like some I issues. have some qualms. I have some qualms with the way he does some stuff. Yeah. And so um, I was like, I don't, I just remember feeling like really sad and not really getting it. And I right, got it more right. this time. Still sad. Still, Still have sad. my qualms. It is sad. But, but I understand least, it a lot better than I did previously. Yeah. The sadness plays a part. And I think that that's important. Yeah. I was like, it's not trauma porn. It, it's not those movies that are just like sad, 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 sad for no reason. Yeah. I was like, this plays a part in this. I get it. Yeah. So it was good. So nine, arguably not okay. Yeah. Total for hereditary. Definitely. Yeah. That wraps. That wraps. That wraps. wraps. It It wraps wraps it, baby. (laughs) That wraps up our discussion of hereditary. Yeah. Uh, If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find us. We love reading what you say. Yeah, it's nice. (laughs) It's so nice. You can also just, you know, tell your friends to listen. Yeah, that's also the best way. Like, if you don't want to rate and review, it's fine. 
But yeah. if you have friends who like horror movies, or even friends who are too scared to watch them but wants to hear oh, about yeah. them, that's like our some of our biggest fans oh, are people yeah. who don't like horror at yeah. all. My sister hates horror. She's like, I listen so I don't have to watch it. I'm yeah, like, exactly. I got you. <laughs> it's like I'm too scared to watch. Uh-huh. I love hearing about it. Yep, yeah. <laughs> When we first got our theme music, because the first yeah. like, episode or two, we didn't have it. And then yeah. once we like commissioned it, uh, my sister was driving through a cornfield in like, oh Georgia or something. It was like, I almost drove off the road. Like, it was scary. It was like, we did our job. Good. <laughs> I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're safe. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you can rate and review us anywhere you like. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Ghoul With It. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie mm-hmm. for the week. We also have, like, the Ghoulish Weekend tip on Fridays and the No Context quote on mm-hmm. Saturdays. Yeah. That type of stuff. Follow us there. Uh, you can check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoalwithapod.com, or you can take a look at our Patreon. Do it. Patreon.com. Show us your scariest movie. <laughs> oh, my God. You would help us choose. Every month, the patrons get to choose our last movie. Yeah. Like, half of... This one's just extra special. Yeah. Because they get to, special. like, suggest it, which is cool. Yeah. And our patrons also get to see, like, the horror stream yep. where we both screamed many times about Alien Isolation. I'm terrified of that game. It's scary. It's scary. And then what did we watch? We watched um, The Cave. The Cave. It was so bad. It I loved so it, though. Bad. We watch a lot of bad horror films yeah. for Simon Watches, yeah. and it's so fun. I love it. And we all just talk. It's oh, great. Yeah. The Simon Watch is meant to, like, mimic the original, like, horror chat that we had. But also with more people. It's so nice. It's so fun. It's good. Yeah. So you could be part of that if you want to join our Patreon at (laughs) patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons, Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, and Brian. Woo! That's a lot of names to say, so I always (sighs) applaud you. It's like, I've I've done that list of names. But it's hard. I think the more you do it, the harder it is because then they start to mold into one name and you're just like, oh no. Not going to lie. My biggest problem is Katie than Kenny. I'm like, Kenny. Kenny. Yep. So get it together, guys. Get it together. <laughs> so yeah. if someone else could join so we could put you in between, that'd be, be great. Really great. Thanks it so would much. make it a lot easier for me and my <laughs> brain. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> the intro and outro music oh. was made by Anthony Roccozella. The cover art. What? It's by our very own Nikki. Mm. Oh my god, you said my last name. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. They're gonna find me. They're gonna find me. You know what? That's fine. Go ahead. I'm so tired. What am I gonna do? Fight you? No, I got nothing. She's gonna be like, hey, I've been waiting for you, bud. (laughs) Nice to see you. (laughs) I got a demon in my treehouse. Let's go. (laughs) I wish I had a treehouse. Because I have insomnia.